What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the NFL Draft Extravaganza Day 3. They often ask, who's going to carry the boats? We're going to carry the damn boats all day on day three, rounds four through seven. Are you going to be hosting the entire show? Uh, I ain't going to not. You're a beast. Dude, you're a beast. We're here. New Orleans is on the clock already. We got a big trade that's already come in. Las Vegas is at the 104. The pod here. We got Dario. We got Maddie. We got Anon. We got Shervon. And, of course, we got the action Jack Cavanaugh. We're breaking some trade details. We're going to come back to him here in just a minute when we get the trade details in for the first pick for the New Orleans Saints. But, Podfather, you had a couple landing spots yesterday. Not very great running back ones. Is there anything you're excited about today in comparison? I slept on it, right? I slept really good last night. Slept like it was amazing. Such a great uh, day two of the NFL draft. And our stream was amazing. Our stream went off without a hitch. We had the best NFL draft stream for the second and third round on the internet. You can go back and rewatch it if, if you're just tuning in now. It was the best. I, I stand by it. And so I slept like a baby because it was a lot of preparation goes into this. A lot of, to bring 13 people to a house in Kansas City and set up Four different studio spaces, all the equipment that's necessary. This guy right here, I mean, this guy, he's running the show so smoothly, setting all this up. We're active on social media, got projection updates on Instagram, on Twitter, you name it. During that sleep, (laughs) when I opened my eyes this morning, one name came to mind. One name, one name alone. Can I guess? One name, and it's, it's a name that I... Uh, is is close to me because we we watched him in Mobile, dog, and he was so clearly the best, and he wasn't the first of the Senior Bowl wide receivers drafted. Mm-hmm. But when we were there, he was head and shoulders the best, and then an NFL team validated what we saw, validated our eyes in Mobile by drafting this guy. In the second round, not the third round, not the fourth round, not the fifth round, where Stephon Diggs was drafted. The second round, and he goes to a team that has no veteran presence at the wide receiver position. He's going to slot immediately into the number two role as the number two pass catcher, the second option to Christian Watson in Green Bay. When I opened my eyes this morning, the first name that came to mind was Jaden Reed. Is there a better situation for Jordan Love? We uh, we were up until about 3.30 this, this morning uh, discussing this with Maddie and Alex about Jordan Love and them not accepting his fifth-year option. And it was like, okay, well, he's due $2 million this year. $20 million is the option for 2024. And the question was, you know, should they you know, opted in for that fifth year? Should they put his feet to the coals and make him earn it? Like they put the talent around him, he should go and earn it, right? But the thing I had was like, okay, do do the do they they should internally know if he's the guy. If he's the guy, they would have already done it. I think putting Jaden Reed, you put Christian Watson, you got both these running backs, you got both these tight ends they drafted yesterday. I, I don't know if there's a better young, young, young core that you would want to put around a guy that that is trying to elevate and be a quarterback. The best way to find value at wide receiver in the NFL draft is to draft a wide receiver whose best year was not the previous year. Yep. If his best season was not the previous season, and he just happened to break out at age 18 as a freshman at Western Michigan, and then had to go through the transfer portal. And so who's one of those guys? Jordan Addison's one of those players. His best year was not his final season in college. Same thing with Jaden Reed. 
the dominator rating in the upper percentile. The breakout age was early. He has the 1,000-yard season as a sophomore. He has the 1,500 special teams yards. He checks the boxes that the breakout finder wants to see. He checks the boxes that scouts want to see, people in the Green Bay organization want to see. There's a reason why he comps to Stephon Diggs. That's a real, that's not a best case comp. That's just his best comp, period. His closest comp in the database is Stephon Diggs. And he checks the boxes we love to see. And he's not 175 like a lot of these new age wide receivers that are coming in that we're talking ourselves into. No, he's a full-blown 190. The guy's rocked up. I, I think we talked about him being comp to Stephon Diggs. And I know Nick Coder exited the building today, and he's the OG of comps. Uh, that comp, I mean, I love it. But Stephon Diggs was a fourth-round pick. Like, Jaden Reed's expected output now. I mean, I think, yes, he's 23 years old, but I'm, I'm excited. Fifth round. Fifth round. I'm a Viking fan, too, and I knew that. Fifth round. Fifth round. I'm telling you, Golly, there's man. no guarantee. I'm so excited about Jaden Reed, dude. There's no guarantee that a year from now, Christian Watson is ranked ahead of Jaden Reed in Dynasty. A year from now, we could go back and look at the Dynasty rankings and slap in our forehead thinking, all right, yeah, Christian Watson was, was real good at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the best, mm-hmm. right? Jaden Reed was the clear best against an incredible, one of the better cornerback groups to come to the senior bowl, right? He was the only one having success against uh, these menaces at corner in mobile. So I'm, I'm ready. My body is ready. Everything is ready now for Jaden Reed to ascend. He does have a Jordan love problem. That is true. And if there were any kind of target competition beyond Christian Watson, non rookie target competition, that may matter. But it doesn't. They're going to be throwing the ball. I know they're going to lean on the run, but they're going to have to throw the ball to be competitive because Jordan Love's mistakes will end up leading to games where the team is losing negative game scripts, and that will lead to yet more throwing. So that's the, the when you have a turnover-prone quarterback, sometimes it ends up helping the wide receivers because the team ends up turning the ball over, getting behind, and then that quarterback is asked to then Bring them back. <laughs> you went. You saw the, the catch twenty two of the uh, uh, yeah. uh, gunslinger quarterback. The first senior bowl you went to was Jordan Love senior bowl, right? Yes. It was, Jay, it was it was Jordan Love. It was Jalen Hurts. And it was Justin Herbert, right? And most people left that senior bowl thinking Jordan Love was a better thrower of footballs than Jalen Hurts. So there's a chance. Oh yeah. Oh, there's a chance. And the team has evaluated him over the last couple of years and decided to trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Now, That's Jordan Love was not efficient in college, and he didn't go to, to some program that would, uh, what was it, Utah State? The Utah, yep, yep, yep. So Utah State, is that a Mountain West, or is that another one of these fake Pac-10 schools? Mountain Whack right there. That's a Mountain Whack team. Hey, Alex, Utah State, Mountain Whack or fake Pac-10, fake Pac-12? Why call Utah fake Pac-12? Utah's a fake Pac-12. Yes, they're a fake. They're the they're, <laughs> Dalton Kincaid goes to a fake Pac-12 school. All right, we got a couple picks in here. Let's let's go through these couple picks that just came in. Then we'll, we'll... fourth round. 
Nick Seldeveri from Old Dominion, not Zach Hunts, but Nick Seldeveri, an offensive lineman, is best comparable to Brian Winters on PlayerProfile.com. I like yeah, the pick. A, is that on loop? The pick is in is on loop. That's cool. What's wrong with that? It was just looping. How long was it looping? Like twelve seconds. That's good. Double loop, triple loop. Dude, we're we're starting the show. With we're the, looping. With the, we're, we're we're looping. The pick is in. And then the Raiders go back on the clock and they take Jacorian Bennett from Maryland. And the Raiders, they've got five selections now in the bank, and three of them are on defense. Byron Young from Alabama, big, strong defensive tackle. Tyree Wilson, massive edge rusher. And now they get a cornerback, which is one of the needs that was looked at in round one. Maybe Christian Gonzalez, maybe Devon Witherspoon. Instead, they wait till the fourth round to check Jacorian uh, Bennett. I got a question for you, Matt, though. We mm. had this conversation. This was also part of this Jordan Love conversation kind yes. of deeper because we talked about some deep, deep, deep wide receivers, you know, in the wee hours of last night. And Trey Tucker was one of these guys mm. for the Raiders. He goes in the late part of the third round. When Trey Tucker walks into the building in Las Vegas next week or this week or whenever he does, is Hunter Henro going to be walk Hunter Renfro going to be walking out as Trey Tucker walks in? <sighs> Trey Tucker's interesting. He's good. Trey Tucker's a He's damn good, good player. He's damn good. And he was basically the lesser version of Jaden Reed at the senior bowl. He was everything you were getting from Jaden Reed, except not quite as dynamic, not quite as big, not quite as athletic though. In the athletic testing, he came out as a better athlete than, than Jaden Reed. That, that wasn't apparent in mobile. He is an interesting player. Can I ask you what you think Hunter Renfro's contract is? Oh, how much is uh, Hunter Renfro making? Tell me. It, I think it's like sixteen million per year right now. Hunter Renfro, sixteen million right now. This is the Hunter Renfro replacement. Done. We do have another pick in, and this one is by the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles go right back down to Athens, Georgia, and they take cornerback Kelly Ringo, who at one point was mocked in literally into round one, very raw. Very large, six foot two, two hundred pound cornerback, uh, straight line guy, fast. He runs in the four threes, but it's Georgia. Wait, a four three corner from Georgia is available in the fourth round. He's nappy. I know. So last night, Alex Dunlap comped Howie Roseman to John Nash, he of the Nash Equilibrium, and who Russell Russell Crowe played in uh, A Beautiful Mind. And it was an incredible reference. I, I was compelled to jump up off the couch and come over and, and talk more about it because it was such an incredible, just, just, just beautiful, just chef's kiss reference. Here's the thing. I don't think that's the movie that Howie Roseman is starring in the last three days. That's not it. Howie Roseman is playing or is being played by Jim Carrey. Okay. They're making a movie about the dream world of a general manager. Do you know that movie, Alex? Yes, Jim Carrey is living inside a fake town and everything is happening for his benefit. The Truman Show. That's it. <laughs> Alex got it. It is the Truman Show. That's what this is. This is not a beautiful mind. This is the Truman Show. How this league is letting Howie Roseman do this is beyond my comprehension. That they're saying, hey, we have a clear best program in college football. They're getting all the studliest stud defensive players, the size speed specimens 
are for whatever reason, they were going to Alabama at one point, then they were going to Ohio State, then they were going to Clemson. Now they're going to Georgia. And then they're going to Philly. And 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 so the producers behind the scenes that are that are writing and producing this movie are are setting it up so that how he gets all the players from that program, no matter which round he's drafting in. This is insane. And then they're all on rookie contracts for a team that was in the Super Bowl. How? Depth piece, too. They got James Bradbury, who, who was a guy that I think would be a good comp for Kelly Ringo in two years. Like, Bradbury's a perfect guy to learn him as, as a bigger corner. A it's more not like it's a secret. Corner. Yeah. Mel Kuyper had him at the top of his board. Yep. This is It's on ESPN. What are you doing? This has to be a fake draft. We have Utah, a fake Pac-12 school, and this is now officially a fake draft. This is a simulation. And... <laughs> Where <laughs> no, it's serious. This feels like a simulation where this is just a, a, an elaborate prank to say, "Hey, we're gonna get one general manager is gonna get everything he wants, and the, all the other general managers look like fools." All right, we got to pick in, and this goes to Chris Ballard, the other good GM. He takes uh, a guy from a, a fake Pac-12 school as well, BYU. Oh, the one of the fakest. Blake Freeland. How many Pac-12 schools? Are there 25 Pac-12 schools now? I think you're close. I think there's 25 Pac-12 schools. Half of them are fake. The fakest one is Utah. Soon Utah State's going to be in the Pac-12. Get ready for it, right? Pac-20. Yeah, they're, they're just going to merge the, the Pac-12 with a mountain whack and just be, put them all together. Put all these bad teams with bad secondaries that just let any quarterback with any shred of talent just run up and down the field, throw wherever he wants, run wherever he wants, be Zach Wilson. That was the last Truman Show. That's 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 analogy that's, that's been used that's on this shot. show. There's a reason why on playerprofiler.com, Zach Wilson's headshot is of Jim Carrey from the Truman Show. And now, if we had general manager pages, we'd have to switch it from him to Howie Roseman. This is a movie. This isn't real. How are they doing this? You got me, dude. They got literally five dudes it's, from the national championship team on their defense insane. now. On their defense. Five, five, five defensive players from one of the greatest defensive teams in college football history. Five of them. That's almost half of your defense. From a national championship, best of all time defense. And, and what's the one position that so many general managers, most notably the Patriots, have such a hard time figuring out, have such a hard time solving? And what teams have decided, you know what, we're going to stop trying to solve this position in the draft and we're going to go ahead and trade for Stephon Diggs. And then how he sees that, and he's like, okay, that's a good idea. I think we're, we're, we're going to stop dicking around with Jalen Ragers. And we're just going to trade for a known quantity of wide receiver and A.J. Brown. So they're signing the right guys. They're trading for the right guys. They're drafting the right guys. This is the, this is the head and shoulders above the rest, above the fray, managed organization. And the only reason they're not a Super Bowl winning team from last year is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is all that stands in the way of consecutive Super Bowls over the next couple of years given the roster construction and and now how they're going to be able to leverage the salary cap paying all these guys day three money for an elite size speed specimen from the national championship team. I don't know what to tell you. Couch, do you, do you guys got any takes for us from uh, this Georgia defense? I mean, there, there's five players now going to Philadelphia. Howie's killing it. Chris Ballard's killing it. Let's send it over to the couch and see if the couch has got any thoughts because I know 
Like there's one guy over there. He's an Ohio State fan. I know he's watched a fair share of Georgia. Yeah, I've seen my fair share of Georgia defenses in my day. And uh, the 2021 version was probably the best college football defense I've seen since 2011, Bama. So if you're going to decide to build an entire defense out of a college football defense, you couldn't pick a better one. Um, but, Maddie, what do you think in terms of Philly just saying, hey, we're just going to re- rip off 2021 Georgia. It worked for them. It'll work for us. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to set up a, a, a Georgia South, that's I mean, Georgia North, that's the way you do it. You know, you get Jalen Carter in the beginning of the draft. You don't even have to give up pick 30 to do it. You don't have to give up future assets. You give up a fourth-round pick to move up. One pick. Then you wait at 30. The fastest linebacker in the class falls all the way to the back, Nolan Smith. You trade up, and there was a pretty significant draft capital, I think, to get Kaylee Ringo. Kaylee Ringo, now now you got one, two, three, three studs in that offense, three crazy athletes from the Georgia defense. Ah, man, the NFC East. They are not going to be happy going up against this team. No way, no how. Jordan Davis is there already. Wait for him. Nicobe Dean, are you kidding? And the big concern, right, about, about, you know, Jordan Davis, you know, leaving Georgia last year yeah, was, right, right. was what will happen to their defensive line. Well, they don't, they don't rebuild. They reload at Georgia. There's just another freak and another freak and another freak and heads up. There's a guy in the transfer portal that they just threw out, Bear Alexander, another six foot eight, three hundred something plus pound freak. They just sent him to USC because they didn't even need him. They didn't need him. Five star recruit. They don't even care. They're just sending defensive tackles that would be the best player at top 15 programs in America. They're telling them, go find a new home. We don't need you. If you want to find out what an elite championship level defense looks like, just draft Georgia players. Ask questions later. Prosper, who cares? Howie Roseman is doing whatever he wants to do right now, and nobody else can. He, <laughs> nobody can stop him, right? Like, like you're talking about. Oh, Jordan Davis has has concerns. Nope, we'll take him. Jalen Carter, there are character concerns. Well, we'll put him next to his best buddy, Jordan Davis. Oh, and then by the way, we'll take the player at thirty that we were gonna take at ten anyway. That we gave the Bears a fourth round pick that we don't even care about. Why? Because we just drafted a potential first-round corner in the fourth round. What are we doing here, NFL? How many more guys are you going to give them? How many more free Georgia athletic freaks are you just going to hand to Howie Roseman so he can bury you in the sand for another decade? Listen, in in baseball, they have minor league teams, and guess what? The Eagles have turned the Georgia (laughs) athletic program into their AAA ball club, and they're doing absolute numbers with it. And whoo! Projections. Are we just going to deflate every team that wants to run the football against these mountains? That's all we have to do. Yeah, there's people are going to get like two yards of carry on this <laughs> Eagles front now. And if somehow, some way, Carter and Davis trip and fall, well, you got Nolan Smith and Nicole Dean chasing your ass down the field looking to strip that ball. Oh, 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 oh. guess what? If you get to the next level, Kaylee Ringo's going to light you up 6'2, 200 pounds or the 4'3, 40. I mean, geez, Louise. I got to tell you, there are three programs that I just love, and I think they dominate their industry. Professional football, right now it's Howie Roseman dominating the draft. Number two, the Georgia Bulldogs dominating college football. And number three, the player profiler team dominating draft coverage. Back to you over at the main desk. All right, we got a bevy of picks that just came in. We're going to start out with pick 106, Blake Freeland, this massive, massive athletic tackle. Goes to the Colts at 106. 
at 107, uh, or sorry, at 108, Anthony Bradford goes to the Seattle Seahawks. 109, the Texans take edge rusher Dylan Horton from TCU. And then at 110, the Colts back on the clock. So they take Freeland, hyper athlete. He's the second best athlete at the position in this draft class. How is he available? Chris Ballard listen here, is listen. so back. Second best, second most athletic offensive lineman. But at 110, they take Adetomoe Adetobore from Northwestern, the most athletic player in the entire draft. Dude, Chris Ballard, oh, and the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen. Can't forget about that. Uh, do, question. Do you think Chris Ballard maybe, maybe? I mean, he did draft Ashton Doolin. I think that Chris Ballard listens to the show and that he was ashamed of himself that he made these moves, especially with the quarterback position, desperation quarterback moves. Oh, we're, we're going to solve our Carson Wentz problem by bringing in Matt Ryan. He listened to us. He said, I'm going to get back to basics. I'm going to go back to player profile. I'm going to focus in again on athleticism, guys from small schools, and trust the profile. And that's what he's doing. He's not trading up. He's not uh, making desperation for agent moves. This Blake Freeland pick, I just can't believe it. We'll pull up Blake Freeland on playerprofiler.com. Now, this is where, see, if you want to go tap in to a fake Pac-12 program, go there for your offensive lineman. That's where to go, right? Don't go there to draft your quarterback. Don't go there to draft some wide receiver that's going to bust for sure. Go there to get a Blake Freeland and just question the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. I feel it just, how and why are you allowing us to play you? Like, I, I, I would love to hear a conversation of, Chris Ballard and Howie Roseman on the phone, just laughing, just la- like like the, uh, the the Scarface meme, right? Of, of the of the, the 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 two guys, the two cartel leaders, just on the phone laughing. I don't know if you're going to find a more athletic crew than what the Indianapolis Colts have done here. Richardson, most athletic quarterback of all time in the database. Julius Brents, six foot three, one ninety eight, thirty four inch arms, like. Say what you want. He was this year's version of Tariq Woolen. Josh, he was 6'3". Jo- Josh He's Downs. He's a 6'3 corner who was blotting out the sun at the senior bowl. Josh Downs is short, but he's an athlete. He's a great route runner. Blake Freeland, top five, top 15 offensive lineman as far as being athletic, athletic all time in the database. And then Adetomwe Adetobore from Northwestern, most athletic defensive lineman of all time. You're so good at talking. I mean, I can't believe how you can pronounce these names. I, I can know. say Bla- Bla- Blake Freeland. Blake Blake Freeland. I can say Blake Freeland. I can't say that I'm a guy. I don't, I don't know if that's even how I say it. Adatomawe Adadabore. I've tried it a hundred times. Adatomawe Thank you. Oh, that was close. That was close. I'm trying. Adatomawe Adadabore. Adadabore. 449 100th percentile across the board. 40 speed burst. 99th percentile legit. Like this is him. And he's going here in the fourth round. We talked to people in Indianapolis that said that they preferred drafting him over drafting Kalijah Kansi, who went in round one. And you get Adebore here in round four. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wait. Let me get, let me get this straight. Hold on. Value base. The Colts got both Freeland and Adebore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wait a second. Wait a second. Ballard's given Howie Roseman a run for his money here. Athlete. It is not. It is He's not back. clear. It we is not back. clear to me. It is not obvious to me that Howie Roseman is actually the best general manager in this draft right now. I think that you could make an argument 
very easily that Chris Ballard's having the best draft. I would say from an athleticism standpoint, he's definitely got the most athletic draft. This is great. Congratulations, Colts fans. Hey, hey, the Jaguars better watch out. They're like, oh, we hit on Trevor Lawrence. We can just uh, draft Tank Bigsby and punt picks. Be careful, Jacksonville. Be very careful thinking you just punt picks, luxury running backs, irrelevant players that can't affect the outcome of the game because all the Colts are doing in your division is drafting the best possible player to affect the game, especially when opposing teams are throwing and when they themselves are throwing. That's when the game tilts and wins become losses and losses become wins. The pick is in for two teams, the Browns and your Patriots. The Browns. Three hundred and seventy-four pounds with a thirty-six and a half inch arm length. Best compared to Makai Becton because there's quite literally only three people in the entire database that are close to him. Makai Becton, Orlando Brown, Daniel Falele. That's about it. Trenton Brown. Trent Brown might be, but I think Trent Brown's a little bit lighter. Dewan Jones from Ohio State goes to Cleveland. They got Siaka Iki from Bailey Baylor earlier and Cedric Tillman. Just big dudes all around. 6'4 wide receiver, 350-pound D tackle, 375-pound left tackle or right tackle. Dewan will probably end up playing right tackle. But Cleveland, I think they're just going to ground and pound. Ground and pound. They, size matters in Cleveland. They, they want size. Size matters. Here's the thing. <laughs> if you're a giant tackle from Ohio State and you fall to the fourth round, you're not going to be anything. Spoiler alert. You're not. There's there's no way. There's no way a Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, left tackle, edge rusher, corner, wide receiver, falls to the round four and becomes a goddamn thing. It's the the Deion Kane. Remember Deion Kane? Oh, my God. Deion Kane was a wide receiver. From Clemson, and he he had his in his tape. He looked smooth on tape, right? He's kind of like Josh Palmer, average in every way, but had some smoothness on tape. And so you can get how people can get infatuated with him. Yet the league was like, no, 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 no. He falls to the sixth round, and it happened to be the Colts drafting him. And at the time, I was like, that's the worst possible pick because if all these scouts that have been watching Clemson all these years could not find a way to convince their general manager to draft a starting wide receiver from Clemson before the sixth round. When you finally push the button on that guy, it's a dead pick. Mm -hmm. It has no, there's no chance. The only way you can hit on a pick like that is if a guy has somehow been derailed in his career or is from a small school when you're going to go wide receiver in the sixth round or say a Julian Edelman having him convert from quarterback. There has to be some extenuating circumstance where it would make sense and, and you could actually tell yourself a story about how this guy could you know, rise up out of the, the, the primordial soup of the wide receiver position and become a contributor. Deion Kane could never – it was, it was an impossibility. So in this case with Dewan Jones, I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating to see what he ends up being. It's a developmental project. I get what the Browns are thinking. They see somehow, some way, a path for him playing right tackle in the league with the proper development. Orlando Brown ran a similar 40, mm-hmm. like a 
a, a five five forty, lacked the athleticism, but he just had otherworldly size. And at some point, you all you care about is, hey, we're just gonna bring in the 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 mound of clay that weighs three hundred and seventy pounds, and we're gonna see what we can do with it. We're gonna we're gonna try to develop him for a couple of years, and then we're gonna cut him loose if if nothing comes of it. But I, but so I, while I believe the chances are very low, he does a goddamn thing. I still appreciate the process of taking a swing on a guy, knowing most players drafted in day three are busts. Makai Beckin went 11th overall. Orlando Brown went in the third round. Trent Brown went in the seventh round. And Dewan Jones goes here in the fourth. We also saw a player, very, very similar stature, very similar situation. He went down to the senior bowl. Daniel Falele last year from the University of Minnesota go 405. We're sitting here in the exact same area. How is Falele doing? Is he starting for Baltimore yet? No. Is he going to? No. So that's what you have to think about. You you, you had the hits with the Orlando Browns. You had the hits with the Makai's and the Trent Browns. Wait, but Kai Bickton's not a hit. He lost 50 pounds. It's still it's still open. It's still open-ended on, on Makai Bickton. It looks like he's still going to get an opportunity. I don't really think it's going to be a hit, but there's still an opportunity for him to play in, at a mediocre level. <laughs> okay. There's, there's an opportunity for mediocrity there. But he was a first-round pick. It's a little different, right? I, like, the opportunity is still given to him. As, as being an overweight offensive tackle, 390 goddamn pounds, like, there's going to be opportunity given to you. All right, dude, lose 50 pounds. We know the talents is there. Whereas, like, Dewan, he's 375 pounds. He's a fourth-round pick. They're much more likely to just say, you know, one strike, you're done. No, th- this is where you place bets on these types of players. I just wish he was from a smaller school. I wish there was a little less attention on him. Then you could tell yourself a better story. All right, so we're not going to gloss over your Patriots because they made a they had a good draft started here, right? They went Christian Gonzalez round one, Kyan White round two, Marty Mappu from Sac State round three. They take an Andrews to play center. Okay, heard that before. David Andrews played center. What do we like? What do we like about the round three picks, the round four picks so far from the Patriots? Troy and Sacramento State. Yep, that's what you have to do. You have to find a center from some small school who's under the radar who a lot of scouts are not even paying attention to, that's the move. So I like the Patriots draft. This is a quality draft. They got value on Christian Gonzalez, value on Keon White. Now they're they're mining the small school database. Mm-hmm. And now we see this uh, Chad Ryland. Chad Ryland is a, a kicker from Maryland. Okay. So I think this one thing that this does do is this does uh, say, okay, well, uh, well, they do have two more fourth round picks, but they just took a kicker over any potential running back. <laughs> and they traded up. So it sounds like we're kind of in trouble with Roshan Johnson. We're kind of in trouble with Israel Abanacanda, like a, a bunch of these, these running backs. Uh, we've now seen two kickers go off the board uh, to, to t- teams like San Francisco and New England who could both, you know, use a little depth and, uh, uh, our buddy Roshan's still out there. So I, I I don't really know where to go with that, but I'm not excited. Roshan and Abanacanda. Yeah. Those are going to be the two biggest rookie rankings adjustments for player profiler. Fuck. Clark Phelps from Utah. Fake Pac-12 school right here. Clark Phelps goes to the Atlanta Falcons, where the Atlanta Falcons also just got Jeff Okuda. They got A.J. Terrell. They just let Casey Hayward go. They have Isaiah Oliver on the roster. Clark Phelps was a guy getting pushed into round two. He had a bad process, combine, pro day, got pushed down. He goes here in round four. 
Again, one thing we do know and we do learn over the course of the, of the few years is round four is where these guys want to take shots on development, traits, projections, upside, and Clark Phillips does fit the mold as a guy who does have upside to be a second-round base talent, late first-round base talent, but he goes here around four to the Falcons. No skill position players. No. Uh, actually, we got, we got another pick here in. N- not skill. It's a guard. Chandler Zavala goes to the Panthers from NC State. Raleigh, North Carolina, stays in state, goes to Charlotte to play for the Panthers. Cool thing about Zavala is uh, he actually played with Iki Aquanu at NC State last year, and now their teammates again in Carolina. So Carolina's doing the right thing. Again, no offensive you know, talent, no wide receivers, no running backs have gone off the board so far here in uh, round four. We're 13 picks in. And just to give you a recap, it's been <sighs> tackle, corner, corner, tackle, center, guard, edge, edge, tackle corner guard kicker so literally all offensive line defensive line and cornerback this is this is where you know this is where you're going to see like this is a lot of dudes blake freeland second round kelly ringo could have went second round and chicago bears the chicago bears need a running back oh my god Roll shot, 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 yeah! Roshan Johnson, roar! Roar, Sean Johnson! Yeah, roar! Welcome to Chicago, buddy. Roar, Sean Welcome to Chicago. What a landing spot, too, Cody. We're not correcting the, the rankings. <laughs> not dead yet. Not dead. Not dead yet. 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 Well, he's not dead yet. He's not not dead. He's not totally. Justin Fields is still Foreman. Deontay Foreman. Who cares? He's better than that. He's better than I know. Deontay Foreman in every way on day one. Yes. Look, they're hyped. Let's go. They're hyped. They're hyped. Listen. They're hyped. Billy Muzio, he was on the gameplay today. He taught me about outs in fantasy football. There are a number of outs. To get Roshan on the field, baby. We love it. Yeah, I got to hear from Alex Dunlap. Alex Dunlap follows the the uh, Texas Longhorns very closely. He knows Roshan intimately. Well, not intimately. <laughs> not intimately. Yeah, and I also know Deontay, man, from a long time ago. I, I just I think that with, with the current form of Deontay Foreman, it's it, all of a sudden things got a little bit tougher for, for Deontay. Things get a little bit tougher for Khalil Herbert. Because you have a guy now in Roshan Johnson that if you can imagine a blend sort of between those two guys as far as the roles they were expected to take on this year, Roshan takes a little bit out of each one of those roles. So it's like, I mean, it could, it, it could, it could turn out to be by the end of the season, it could turn out to be that, you know, Roshan is the running back that we're talking about coming back into the 2024 season that's going to be the lead guy. Rookie drafts, Alex Dunlap, you're on the clock. Roshan Johnson or Zach Charbonnet? I think I'm I'm putting it together right now. I don't know yet. I think I mean my Roshan Johnson or Zach Charbonnet. 
My initial lean. Roshan Johnson or Zach Charbonnet? Dude, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking at this shit from last year. Roshan Johnson or Zach Charbonnet? Look, it, it feels like last year. Where, whenever you shit on me for this, where I put Damian Pierce over James Cook, it feels like it could be like that again. Roshan or Zach Charbonnet? I, I, I'm leaning Roshan. Right? Oh, hello. Back to you, Cody. You know, people always ask me, hey, what is the the World Series of fantasy or the Super Bowl of fantasy football? And it's easy. It's the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's a $6 million prize pool. And they've had their never-too-early best ball leagues cranking since February. And so the FFPC is the answer to so many questions. Hey, hey, where's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC. That's why we partner with them. If you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, seasonal, best ball, dynasty, go to the FFPC. And don't forget, promo code UNDERWORLD to get you $25 off your first team. $25 off your first team, no matter what team it is, no matter what format it is, at the FFPC. Go do it. Yo, we are back. Appreciate all you guys. Stay tapped in on YouTube. Day number three right here. We're in the middle of round four. We finally got that skill position. Roshan Johnson. We did it. <laughs> we did it. I feel bad for Khalil Herbert, man. Khalil Herbert was, he was coming into this draft in a, a similar position to Tyler Algier. Not a, a, a bona fide workhorse in the league, but thrust into that position at times last year and was productive, was efficient showed an all-purpose skill set, was a great value where they drafted him by bringing in Dante Foreman. Maybe, maybe, possibly that's just the meat shield that Khalil Herbert needed to avoid real competition from the NFL draft. Day one, day two, day three, we're into the fourth round. He, he's so close. Like he, he, was, he could see the finish line. He gets through, he gets through the fourth round. It's over. Cole Herbert's the starter. Mm -hmm. He's the workhorse with, you know, of course you have the, the, the breather back of Foreman mixing in, but it's all about Herbert and he'd be an incredible value. Now on day one of camp, Cole Herbert's going to look up shit. and know he's going to say, holy shit. By the end of that first practice, He's gonna know that he's not the best running back on the Bears. Is Khalil Herbert in? Uh, is he? Is he kind of like close to Bijan Robinson? You think? Yeah. You need a Bijan level talent to hold down Roshan Johnson. Khalil Herbert ain't that. He ain't that. He, he ain't that. Roshan Johnson from day one, he's gonna walk it just like he walked into Mobile, Alabama, and took over as the alpha in the room. Interviews, on field, everything. Day one, there was one alpha in that building, and it was Roshan Johnson, and as we've talked to Alex Dunlap for the last two years, he talks about the locker room. Who's the heart of the team? The heart of the team is Roshan Johnson. It's not B. John Robinson. You see how happy that the, 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 the Ryan the, Poles was jacked. The, yeah, that Ryan Poles and company in that Bears war room, they were that, that was legit enthusiasm for Roshan, for a running back, Roshan Johnson. I haven't seen that level of enthusiasm since, well, I, I guess uh, since the, uh, uh, what the, the Seattle Seahawks drafted Charbonnet. <laughs> so wait, wait, who? What was the what was the fist pump that we saw? Where uh, the, the running back that was drafted earlier? It was wasn't it? Was that was that was the Gibbs pick? No, the Gibbs. Oh, it was pick. Gibbs because they said. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. remember Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes took Gibbs. The, the, the fist pump, like it was with, surprised with, he was the, there. The, I can't believe I got Gibbs. Right, that's what that was. That was reminiscent of of the Brad Holmes Jameer Gibbs 
enthusiasm. As much as as much as we like Khalil Herbert, let's let's do a little thought process right here. All right. So Khalil Herbert started his career off not at Virginia Tech, but at Kansas. And he couldn't beat out Puka Williams. Puka Williams, 105 pound running back, right? So he goes to Virginia Tech. He breaks up his fifth year, has a thousand yards. Cool. Goes to the NFL, fourth, fifth round, goes to the Bears. Um, Deontay Foreman had a 2,000 yard rushing season at Texas, goes to the NFL, tears his Achilles, goes to Carolina, plays with Chuba. Can't completely take that job away from Chuba. So get no, Chuba Foreman. played better. That's what I'm saying. So he can't take the job away from Chuba. And Khalil Herbert couldn't take the job away from Puka. Khalil Herbert was playing with David Montgomery. Couldn't really take the job away from Montgomery. It was a 50-50 split. Deonta and Herbert are now there. Roshan's going to take this job over under six and a half weeks before he's the, the lead back in this. Well, we're going to throw it to the – we're going to have Billy and Dario talk about this. Uh, they, they're going to have to put their heads together. I would go under on that. I would think within a month of the season – Four weeks, it's going to take Roshan. It's just what this is the thing in real life with real football. What's going to end up happening mm-hmm. is that in all these drills throughout camp and throughout preseason, who's going to be taking care of the football? Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson. Right. Who's going to be standing up in pass pro? It's going to be Roshan Johnson. And then at some point, there's going to be some key possession. Khalil Herbert's going to put the football on the ground. And that's going to be a wrap. You look at the running backs in this rookie class right now. You got Bijan to Atlanta. You got Jameer Gibbs to Detroit. You got Charbonnet to Seattle. Devon A-Chain to the Miami Dolphins. Kendra Miller to New Orleans. Tyja Spears to Tennessee. Tank Bigsby to Jacksonville. And Roshan Johnson to the Chicago Bears. Bijan and Gibbs, one, two, three. You got Kendra to New Orleans. Charbonnet to Seattle. A-Chain to Miami. Or Roshan to Chicago. Where are you going? Now, Roshan Johnson is a clear top five pick. Check out our rookie rankings, playerprofile.com. Wait, wait, top five. They're pick? updated. Top five running back okay, pick. Okay, okay. Top five running back pick. Top five pick in we're, we're, actual rookie drafts. No way. No, 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 no. Where are you? What I'm saying is, where are you putting him in that? In that right now? On if I said, all right, Matt, you're drafting today, right now. He's a top five running back pick. Come on, dude, give me the answer. We're gonna get it figured out and have the rankings updated. Don't worry. I'm drafting him ahead of Charbonnet. He's beating on the. I'm bush. drafting him ahead of Tanks Bigsby. I'm drafting him ahead of players that were selected before him in the NFL draft. Devon A. Chain. Drafting I him at RB3. Am not going to be selecting him ahead of Devon A. Chain. Yep. Yet. You are. I am. The question is going to be Kendra Miller. I like the situation a lot better than Roshan. Like, think about, think about Roshan and Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller and Roshan Johnson are, are two of the, the more similar running backs, right? They, they're both. Uh, alphas that have displaced existing incumbent running backs, right? Or had the potential to displace existing yeah. incumbent running backs. So Kendra Miller did that with Zach Evans. Roshan Johnson would have done that had it not been Bishon Robinson, right? And similar skill sets. These guys, we know they're great between the tackles. We know th- they can stand up and pass protection, but also underrated receivers, so they're, they're, they're similar. Now, what, what's the difference? Well, the difference is Roshan has Justin Fields, mm-hmm. right? Roshan is going to be able to take advantage of that Alfred Morris corollary where Justin Fields is going to be freezing linebackers. there would be wider running lanes. Chicago has had one of the best drafts. I mean, it, we, we keep talking about Roseman. We keep talking about Chris Ballard, uh, Ryan Poles, right? 
Great draft. I mean, he could be the, the, the third, especially when you factor in the big trade down with Carolina, the third best. Tra- hey, guys, we're trying to do a show over here. All right. <laughs> All this talking in the background. I can't hear myself think. I don't even know what the hell I was saying. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm going to go Roshan Johnson over Kendra Miller. Situation's better. Come on in. Come here, Billy. I got to go. Right. Yeah, I got to go. I, I got to go yell at the couch. <laughs> hey. All right. The projections are in. So, Herbert, it definitely affects Herbert, right? It affects Dr. Foreman. It affects. Now we have a three headed beast inside this backfield. Mm-hmm. The original projections had Herbert at 31 with this addition here of Roshan. It moves him all the way to running back 41. Foreman was at running back 45, who was projected to see the goal line carries, was projected to see a lot of the one, two down work, is now moving to running back 61. Roshan comes in right now as running back 48, right? I project him roughly for about 27% of that. And so there's a lot of carries going to the quarterback. There's a lot of carries still going to Herbert. There's still a lot of carries going to Foreman, but Foreman projects to be the third running back on the field now. But when you have a mobile quarterback like this, it's it's tough for you to divide this pie much more than 30% to any given running yeah. back when you have 25 to 26% of the rush share going to the quarterback. So it puts Roshan around Jamal Williams' range, Swift, depending upon if he's traded or not traded, and really close to Zach Charbonnet as well because there's only two backs inside that backfield. When you're breaking down the dichotomy of this backfield, you said it's just tough to give anybody 30%, right? But bringing in another back, it seems like they're probably going to be cognizant of Fields' abilities to stay healthy, and which is yep. what we see with Josh Allen, right? Now he got hurt. Now he's like, okay, I'm going to rush less. We saw what Fields could do over a rack last year, and now they bring in a Roshan. They got a Herbert. They got a Deontay. They got these big hog mollies that can literally just There's pound no them, pound them, pound them, pound them, pound them. So when you think about which one of these guys would you, you know, which one of these guys, if you're drafting right now, do you think the value is going to be there now versus the fall? So in I think the value is still going to be Rojan. I think Herbert is still going to be in, involved. Yeah. Um, I think, I think for, they're all going to be involved. They're all going to be involved. But I think that I think Roshan has a little bit of what each of these guys have. But yeah. I also think that it hurts Dante Foreman the most. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. going to be the odd man out. And maybe at first Roshan is is earning his touches. He's earning his 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 trust in the coaches. But this is going to be his backfield in the future. <laughs> the, the, the the problem is, is just like we said, we have tw- we initially had 26.5% of the rush share going to Fields. Fields just dropped to quarterback six, seven in the rankings because mm-hmm. we're expecting him now to lose some of these touches because now you have three capable backs who are capable of running on goal line, running on short yardage, yep. are also able to bounce it outside. I mean, now they have a lot of options in the running game. And like, like you said, they don't need to run Fields into the ground now. They just up, upgraded the passing game. They're hoping to be more efficient in that manner. So, I would not be surprised to see Fields' efficiency kind of reduce, his opportunities reduce, and it moved him down in the quarterback rankings as well. So I love the landing spot because this gives Roshan an opportunity to make an impact in year one as a rookie. You ain't got to tell me twice. So when you look at it, you just looked at the Bears. Did you look at him in comparison to these other rookies? Yeah, so he's actually like a couple spots behind Charbonnet and just because it's now a, you know, a two-headed, two-headed beast. Two-headed versus three-headed. Versus three-four if you include and the, the quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. Come on. And so it's from an opportunity standpoint and how you'd slice this pie, right? It makes sense. I'd rather have a bigger chunk of a pie when I when when you look at Charbonnet. And we know that Charbonnet is a legit three down back, has the opportunity to 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 eat into Walker's opportunity as well. I think it's very close. We're within a couple spots, and it's it's only 
it's oh, only, it's only the beginning. Of, it's only the end of the draft. We have all camp to figure this out. But you're looking at 2023, right? So in dynasty, when the dynasty rankings come out, don't be surprised if Roshan is actually the guy ahead because he doesn't have Kenneth Walker in his backfield. Oh, absolutely. I think that this this actually catapults Roshan up dynasty rankings, and I think people will be more in line where we currently have yeah. them. Seasonal Charbonnet, seasonal Charbonnet, and dynasty I, Roshan. And I would argue that. It's close. When it's going to matter the most, you probably want to have Roshan. Like, because he's going to be, he's you're going to be, be down the stretch. Yep. He's going to be overtaking this backfield from Foreman. He's going to be, he's going to earn his reps. He's going to earn the trust of the coaches. They're going to start leaning on the rookie. I think you're going to want to own Roshan in 2023 when it matters most. And I think it is a real discussion now for Dynasty and people. You're going to notice all the sides coming up to where we had Roshan to begin with. All right. We're going to go through these four picks. We're going to kick it over to the couch. The Green Bay Packers take defensive linemen from Auburn, Colby Wooden. Again, we got another line of defensive linemen and offensive linemen and DBs going off this whole entire fourth round, except for the kicker and Roshan. City Sow, Eastern Michigan, offensive lineman, offensive guard, big wide guy. He's going to be playing guard next to Jake Andrews for the New England Patriots. Again, they take Strange last year in round one. They got City Sow now, Jake Andrews earlier. They're building from the inside out. This is going to be a run-based team. They have not taken a running back yet. Ramondre Stevenson, Izzy RB7. Maybe. Billy says yes. They're building the inside out. I like it. I like it. Braden Daniels from Utah goes to the Washington Commanders, and Chamari Connor goes to Virginia from Virginia Tech to Kansas City to play safety. Let's go over to the couch, though, because I know they got a couple, a couple. They probably don't have any hot takes, but they got takes. All right, controversy brewing among the analytics team at Player Profiler. <laughs> controversy brewing. I have... I have the machine here. I have Dario. We've been uh, looking at the projections, running them through the models and the and and the machines and the computers and everything. We're computer learning models, learning machine models, everything. And this idea that you would ever rank Zach Charbonnet or even project Zach Charbonnet ahead of Roshan Johnson this year, I think, is pure silliness. I don't agree with billy and but i'm not the the king of the numbers like dario i want to hear it from dario zach charbonnet versus roshan johnson who you got in terms of pure projected points right now it has to be charbonnet what come on no but but no but Roshan's upside is infinitely higher because Kenneth Walker is infinitely? an elite running back. Significantly. Inf- you said infinitely. Yeah, think it back. Significantly higher upside <laughs> for Roshan Johnson. <laughs> Where he lands in the rankings could be ahead of Charbonnet. But in terms of the projected points, you have to lean towards Charbonnet right now. Wrong. If you're on underdog, you're drafting for a best ball championship, best ball mania, who you got? Probably Roshan. We'll Yay. see where they're at. Hey, rookie drafting, rookie drafting, Roshan or Zach Charbonnet? Leaning Roshan, too. Last one, last one, last one, last one, last one. Roshan Johnson or Kendra Miller? I'm still going Kendra. Wrong. That's fair. Back to you. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is always Roshan. I got my partner back right here. The answer is always Roshan. Kendra's an interesting one, though, because Kamara, Kendra, yeah. Kamara is still currently there. Jamal Williams is still currently there. <laughs> I love Kendra. 
But the argument for him over Roshan right now. No, it doesn't make sense. There's there's real potential for this Bears offense starting this year. We're years away from the New Orleans Saints offense, you know, re- becoming what it was under Breeze, if it ever gets to that point again. So you can talk about, oh, well, look at Alvin Kamara as a rookie. Look at Alvin Kamara. Well, Alvin Kamara is, is still a Saint. He's going to be back yep. as well. So there's no one at, at an Alvin Kamara level talent on this Bears roster. There's some guys, Dante Foreman, you know, God bless him. Right, the guy came back from a ruptured Achilles. He grinded his way through it. He got his, he earned his spot in the NFL. Had to re-earn it. Did it, right? Khalil Herbert, late day three pick, right? Old prospect came in and earned it. And unfortunately, this is one of the great meritocracies in our society. That if you're good, not great in the NFL, your job is always at risk. And Roshan is a lot closer to great than he is good. Yes. Yes. I appreciate all you guys tapping in right now on YouTube. Click that like button. Click the subscribe button. We really appreciate all 250 of you guys hanging out with us on this Saturday. It's Saturday morning. There's some real degenerates that sit here and watch the NFL draft on Saturday morning drinking coffee. They we wanted had- to see Roshan get picked in our reaction. That's what they wanted. And we gave them what they wanted. Now, the real debate is, I think, We've decided here the consensus is that we prefer Roshan to Kendra Miller in Dynasty, and we prefer Kendra Miller in seasonal leagues, in high stakes, at the FFPC, on underdog. These are our uh, preferred fantasy platforms. What about Roshan Johnson versus Devon A-Chain? I would love to patch in Theo Greminger. Theo Greminger had to, uh, to uh, fly out early to babysit children today. So he's, uh, he's, he's doing great work. Uh, so wherever he is, I'm sure he's having a great time. Uh, not as good as at the time as we're having, of course. But we, we, we should call him and we should try to patch him in. I want to I get his expert opinion on Devon A-Chain versus Roshan Johnson. I think the industry is going to be clear that it's all about A-Chain. It's going to be a wide gap. In the projections for year one, I agree with that. Actually, it makes sense to me. There's great upside with A-Chain, especially in year one. But longer term, a small straight line runner, especially one of these guys that plays one of these stretch zone running schemes where the, the, the injury rate for running backs is just incredibly high. I wouldn't be surprised if next year, Roshan overtakes A-Chain because his role grows where A-Chain's plateaus Mm -hmm. and A-Chain's fragility, given his size, is exposed where Roshan is 220 pounds and he's going to come into the league as one of the most durable rookies on day one. So you bring up the the Devon A-Chain question. Last night, because we had 12 people in this house, we did a 12-man mock draft and uh, we ran through where these guys would land. And we can put this link for this sleeper draft in the chat. Um, running back three was Kendry. I took him at the 107. Running back four was Devon A-Chain at the eight. Nine was Tyja Spears. Charbonnet was next at running back. And then Roshan. If you were selecting A-Chain or Miller, are you going A-Chain? That's what it sounds like to me. I. This is tough. This is tough. I think in a win now team, I want A-Chain for this year for sure. I also think that A-Chain is going to have more trade value in the short term. So it's just a safe pick to go A-Chain. But I, I honestly think that 
for their careers, if I'm thinking about it objectively, when you game out how these two players' careers are likely to unfold, Roshan Johnson could double, triple the number of fantasy points in his career of Devon A-Chain, just based on how players that look like these two running backs drafted in the rounds that they got drafted, how their careers end up playing out. So much more often than not, it's the Roshan Johnson who's still commanding touches, you know, Melvin Gordon-like, out to age 28, 29, and a guy like Devon A-Chain flashed for a year or two and then wasn't heard from again. We've got four more picks in five, actually. A lot of offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebacker. Carter Warren from Pittsburgh goes to the Jets here in round four. Ventrell Miller, inside linebacker from Florida, goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. John Gaines, a guard from UCLA, goes to the Arizona Cardinals. Cameron Young, a defensive tackle from Mississippi State, goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Offensive line, defensive line, offensive line, defensive line, D-back. And then at pick 124, Tavius Robinson, a Murphy McGuire is the agent for Tavius Robinson. Shout out to him from Octagon. Edge rusher Tavius Robinson goes to the Baltimore Ravens here. Again, edge, offensive line, edge, offensive line, defensive tackle. I want to see some running backs and some receivers. In this particular round, what you want are small school players. Who was the last small school player drafted in that group? It was Bill Belichick, right? It was City Sow. City Sow, City Sow from Eastern Michigan, just based on the principle that you're going to get more value by going small school player around three, four, five, that was likely the best pick of the group. Bill is Bill is deep in these small school dudes. Cole, Cole Strange last year, City Sow this year, Jake Andrews from Troy. We talked about this a minute ago, but he's building inside out and he's doing it the right way. City Sow's a guard. That's perfect. That's exactly what you want. Do you think that every NFL team has the book on City Sow guard from Eastern Michigan and feels confident about their evaluation on that player? No. Are all these teams well aware of every player that's any relevance whatsoever on Auburn? Yes. So where are you going to get the... Thank you. The pick is in, and the Los Angeles Chargers went offense. They drafted a weapon. <gasps> we finally got one. Whoa. Remember they took Quentin Johnson in the first round? Uh-oh, another receiver. From TCU, Darius Davis. Darius Davis goes here in round four ahead of Trey Palmer. I disagree with that pick. But this is the thing, is they had Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis at TCU playing with Max Dugan. They're probably going to take Dugan in probably the sixth round or something like this. Darius Davis, though, speed, burner. He was a guy at the Senior Bowl. that The, the tier at the Senior Bowl was Trey Tucker, it was Darius Davis, and it was Tank Dell. And Tank Dell was the better route runner. Tucker was the consistency. We've seen both. Wait. Yeah, we've seen both these guys go off the board already, and now Darius Davis goes. This is the exact order that they should have went off the board in. Darius Davis comped himself to Tyreek Hill as well. All these little guys do that can better. better. That's not that's the wrong Darius Davis. There's another D, Darius Davis in the league. From, from the TCU Horn Frogs. Darius Davis, though, very agile guy. Great punt returner. Had a lot of punt return, kick return touchdowns at TCU. Dynamic, dynamic player. And I think he brings that, that, that dynamism uh, to the Los Angeles Chargers. We Classic do. fourth round wide receiver, a guy that has versatility, special teams ability. Remember Joe Reed? This is the this is the this is what NFL teams that actually have to fill out real rosters and not play fantasy football. This is what they do. Yep. They had a need for a special teamer. Yep. That was reliable with speed, runs a four three six. So they and they already have his teammate. They clearly trust their uh, evaluations 
from TCU. They probably have uh, some connections with the program. It makes sense. The guy capped out at 531 receiving yards. He's not going to be a fantasy producer. He's not going to be that. Yep. Okay. We, <laughs> there are, there are many more faster, uh, more productive Travis Benjamin types in college that come to the NFL and they become special teams players than even Darius Davis. So that's what Darius Davis is. This is a special teams pick. This is not something to get excited about for fantasy football. That's what it is. And just realize that this is how NFL teams operate. In round four, round five, round six, they're filling out their rosters just like what we talked about with Seattle. The reason why that I'm more bearish on Zach Charbonnet than almost anybody is my fundamental belief that they don't have any intention of throttling Kenneth Walker, that the Seattle Seahawks looked at their roster and said, we have a glaring need at RB2. We need a backup for Kenneth Walker. It's simply a hole in the roster. And we're filling holes in the draft with the guys we have greatest, highest at various points. And we're not as worried about trading down and, and squeezing as much value positionally out of every pick. We're not the Colts. We're not the Eagles. We're not the Bears. We're the Seahawks. This is what we do. We just pick where we pick. And sometimes we stay put in the second round, the late second round, and we end up with DK Metcalf. And sometimes we make the pick of our highest graded player in the middle of the second round, and it happens to be Zach Charbonnet, and he's going to command no touches because he's going to be behind a, a superior running back in every way in Kenneth Walker. So just because you draft a player does not mean that you intend to make him fantasy relevant. You are filling needs or perceived needs in the roster throughout the three days. That's just, that's, <laughs> it sounds obvious, right? That's I'm, it's probably, oh, that's the most obvious statement it, in the history of NFL draft streaming. Thanks a lot, Podfather. But that, that kind of context actually matters when you're sitting down and thinking about, what do I want to do with Kenneth Walker? Mm-hmm. Am I a panic seller of Kenneth Walker? Am I going to go trade for Kenneth Walker? I think this is a buying opportunity for Kenneth Walker because I don't, I don't see the signal that other people see that now Kenneth Walker's opportunity share is, is massively threatened. Do not see that at all. Just like I don't see you know, Darius Davis as any kind of threat to Quentin Johnston or even Josh Palmer. He's not. They have him for a reason. He's going to be a punt returner. They feel like they need that position. They don't have anybody to do that. Jalen Guyton is no longer going to be on the team, even if he was scheduled to be on the team this year. This is the end of Jalen Guyton, and that's what this pick means. I don't care. Like you said, Darius Davis, always a special teamer. He's a great special teamer, great punt return, great pick return, but it's, it's going to give you that electricity. It it's the Ken A. and Wong you pick this year, but it's a receiver instead of a kick of a, of a sure. running back. That's what it is. Yes. Right? Brees Hall came out of Iowa State last year. And Ken A. Wong, you followed him it, as, a, as a special teamer. Darius Davis comes out behind Johnston, and he had some explosive plays, but this is what he is. He's a special teamer with upside out of the backfield like a McCall Harden. We learn from past mistakes. I was too far out over my skis on Ken A. and Wong, you. Yep. I saw the glass half full yep. with fa- possible fantasy production with Kenneth and Wong. I was like, well, listen, Ken A. and Wong, you. Look at this size speed specimen. You, 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 this guy just needs 10 touches a game. Mm-hmm. Let's make it happen. And then you start fantasy wanting it into an existence when the intention of that pick, though it was, what, fourth round? Mm-hmm. 
though it was a fourth round pick, it was a valuable pick they use it, but it doesn't matter. You're thinking like a fantasy gamer. That's not how these teams think. They believed they had a glaring need at kick returner. So they they used a fourth round pick on that with no intention of ever giving this guy any kind of meaningful touches that would ever make him anything in fantasy football. And he was only a roster clogger for a brief period of time in Dynasty because of it. And had you if had I realized that concept at the time, that would have been yet another roster spot. I would have would not have wasted for however many months I rostered some in Wang Yu in deep dynasty league. And we have two picks that have just come through. The Cleveland Browns have selected Isaiah McGuire from Missouri, played defensive end on the opposite side of Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy, Miles Garrett. They took Siaka Ika from Baylor early on. McGuire's 32 tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks over the last few years. He's a project. He's a little bit of a guy that, that should be able to come in and, and start over Ogbo Okorokono in week probably one or two. He, Ogbo's not that good. He's from Oklahoma. Isaiah McGuire should be able to come in as soon, really quickly play up a side of Miles Garrett. Then the next selection is the New Orleans Saints. There was a trade that they moved up, and the Saints have selected Jake Hayner. Yeah, yeah, just oh. wait. God, just wait, just wait, just wait. You guys are fucking just jumping. Just relax here. Pick 127, the New Orleans Saints select Jake Hayner, quarterback from Fresno State, but there has been a trade that has officially come through involving a very, very – unimportant running back and he's going back to brotherly love the city of brotherly love philadelphia oh my god oh my god oh my god it happened throw it to the couch hey couch get ready i don't even know what did deandre swift to the eagles oh my god we got so is jack ready jack said he's throw, ready give jack the details throw, and it, then to, we'll, throw it to and, jack and then we'll go back to the couch this is absolutely fantastic news for DeAndre Swift. We are still waiting for the compensation to come in, but he needed to get out of there. There was absolutely nothing for him in Detroit. He was going to be completely phased out. Now the question is, how do the Eagles break down the backfield? Because Kenneth Gainwell, he's going to lose targets, but also DeAndre Swift's a hell of a lot better than Rashad Penny, so that sinks his stuff just a little bit as well. Great move for the Eagles. I'm excited to see what the conversation is, but another Georgia Bulldog to Philadelphia. This is absolutely ridiculous. Back to you. Yes, DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia Eagles, another Georgia Bulldog, goes north to Philly. Howie Roseman does it again. The magician, beautiful mind. Guys playing chess. Everyone's playing not even checkers. They're playing hopscotch. This guy's out here lapping the field. They don't take running back, but they get a running back, a completely efficient, dynamic runner. This is getting insane. I mean, how many times are y'all going to let this man fleece you, NFL? Do y'all have any shame? Do you care? I, I mean, like, if you watch him in Detroit, right, like, clearly he was used not quite the way that you'd want to use a running back in terms of fantasy value, but in terms of actually getting value out of a running back pick. I think they did really well with what they did with DeAndre Swift while he was out there. There were just a bunch of other guys, and now you send him to Philly to play with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. My God, man. Like, yeah, It's just – it's hard to describe to you how good this team is at every level. Where we, they have depth. 
at running back. They have depth at receiver. They have depth at offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, corner, safety. Well, I don't. I really don't know if you can think of another roster that's even comparable. Maybe San Fran, but that's about it. Outside of them, I don't see anybody else that's literally. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you. For- roster for roster, no Eagles are are putting together a massive team. The, the what they're all they're going up against now is Pat Mahomes. Can you take the gang or are you taking Mahomes? <laughs> DeAndre Swift. Let me read off a couple things about DeAndre Swift. You know, he fell out of favor in Detroit. He's not a Dan Campbell guy. No doubt about that. Dan Campbell did not want to use him. But there is no doubt that the kid is still electric. He was second amongst qualified running backs in yards per touch, second yards created per touch, seventh in expected points added, fifth in breakaway run rate. He was even sixth in target share. This kid is going to be a stud. He's playing with the freaking Monstars, the NFL Monstars. I don't know what you do if you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. God help you. Good luck. (laughs) Have fun. No, you got Eagles, Howie, everybody. You cannot use Dream Team. That is a curse. It happened before. You cannot do that. The Mike Vick Dream Team. Do not say Dream Team. Just put your head down, pin your ears back, get to work. But you know what? Jalen's that type of guy. He's going to keep them kids focused. He's going to keep them all ready to go. And now, oh, my God. I mean, if you're an Eagles fan, first of all, like, go throw batteries at Santa Claus because – you're having a great weekend. There has been a migration. The state of Georgia is leaving, and they're all headed to Philadelphia. <laughs> Thank you, Howie. Thank you, Howie. What an entertaining athlete. Oh, my God. <laughs> what could happen now? But wait, let's talk about one thing real quick while we still got the camera. Stenson Bennett. No. To the Los Angeles Rams. The one thing you did not want on it was the Rams going QB. And now he is... QB, what, four, uh, six off the board or whatever? (laughs) Y'all want me to cheer for a 26-year-old quarterback from Georgia? Yeah. Who, by all accounts, his best potential, potential comp is who? Who? What 26-year-old quarterback has ever come into the NFL and done anything? And now this poor man, you know, God bless him. He got two national titles at Georgia. Now he's going to play behind a worse offensive line than he had last year. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, like, I, don't get me wrong. I, I throw, throw it out at a quarterback late. I get it. But I don't understand why in round four when there are productive players left. They did this. And, uh, yeah, you know, this, this just continues. Year after year, there's at least one Rams draft pick that I just can't stand. And I know that this year this one's it. What's worse, 2-2 or Stetson? 2-2. I'll never <laughs> forgive them. Creed Humphrey was still there, guys. What were... Oh, baby. But, it, we, you know, the, what we wanted throughout this entire draft was entertainment, chaos, fantasy-relevant players off the board, bang, bang, boom. And we've had that in spades this weekend. Absolute blast. But make sure you stay tuned in. Keep checking out the NFL Draft Extravaganza here at Player Profiler's YouTube channel because we are not quitting, even though it is 1221 Central Time, where we are in KC. We're still doing it. We're going to be here through all the rounds. We're still in round four. And I just realized I lost my prop bet on Stenson. Bet I picked fifth round. They had a little juice, plus 800. He went fourth round. I should have taken the better odds. I was going to say, was it plus 1200 somewhere in there? It was juicy. It was juicy. Again, Wes, what are you doing, my guy? Love you to death. What are we doing here? What was his off-field problems? Like they, there was a conservative off-field. There was a DUI involved, you know, post-national championship game, which kind of seems to be Georgia players. Call an Uber. Come on, guys. 
You you got nil money too, Stetson. Yeah, was it? Public Okay, okay. Either way, if you're gonna be in LA, go to commercial. Hey, it's the Podfather. Now in the off season, I get into baseball, I get into basketball, and my preferred platform to play fantasy sports is Rival Fantasy because Rival Fantasy has challenges. Where you can just take a guy and say, hey, this guy's going to score more fantasy points than this guy. They put two shortstops together. Pick one. Point guards. Pick one. Spoiler alert. You should pick Damian Lillard. <laughs> or they have the fantasy book where you could pick over, under, over, under, over, under, and up to five guys. And then the more you pick, your potential payout quickly escalates. And finally, I submit a bingo card because you can just go over, under, over, under, over, under across the board. Get your fantasy bingo card set. Submit it. I'm not the biggest basketball or baseball expert, but I have a hell of a lot of fun playing fantasy sports on RivalFantasy.com. And the best part is with promo code PLAYER, they refund up to $50 of any losses. So the promo code there is PLAYER on RivalFantasy.com. Go have some fun. Have some fun, especially if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, because you now have DeAndre Swift in your backfield, and you gave up nothing to get him. You move back 30 picks in the seventh round. You move from pick 219 to pick 249, and you give a 2025 fourth-round pick. That's it. That is all it took to get DeAndre Swift. Obviously, it's a rental on this one year, but wow. What, Howie Roseman, Truman Show, what else is there to say? Back to you. Jameer Gibbs, baby. Oh, baby. Jameer. <laughs> the fact that that's all it took to get Swift, though. The, it was free. It was a fourth round pick in 2025. What do we do? Like, you moved up you moved up 30 spots, a seventh round. Who cares? And a fourth round pick in two years. You can make that value back in two days. And all of a sudden, it's a zero for DeAndre Swift. Howie Roseman, top two, not two. Why would you take... Tank Bigsby on day two when that trade was out there uh, it is irresponsible. It is gross negligence of every NFL general manager on day two that was drafting a running back when DeAndre Swift was available for a seventh round trade back in a future fourth. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing. That's, that's literally nothing. We, we do have a couple of picks that did come in though. And the guys on the couch talked about one of them. That was Stetson Bennett going 128 fourth round overall to the Los Angeles Rams. A Georgia quarterback goes to back up a Georgia quarterback. This is a perfect spot I think, for him because Stafford's dealt with his injuries. There's a question whether he's going to retire next year, next year, last year, next year, last year. Uh, Stetson Bennett comes in there. He'll have the abilities, I think. To, he's, a, he's a gamer. He's a Case Keenum, Chase Daniel type where if something does happen, he's a guy you can depend on, I think, for four to six weeks at a time. Jake Hayner goes 127 from Fresno State to New Orleans to back up another Fresno State quarterback, Derek Carr, six tall, 200 pounds. Velami Foco, edge rusher from San Jose, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. And it sounds like we have two more picks coming in here. Tyler Lacey goes from Oklahoma State to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Charlie Football. Oh, no. Charlie oh, Football. No. Football alert. Football alert. We got a football. To t- Boyd Rule in Cincinnati next oh, year. Oh, look at that. Charlie Football to Charles the C- F. Football. To the Cincinnati Bengals in round four. I'm going to say it again ahead of Trey Palmer. I love this pick. Yeah, he's a, an old prospect, understood. They should have gone Palmer, right? If you, 
Palmer would be the field stretcher to create more room underneath for Chase and Higgins. That was the right move. But you had Charlie football with the highest grades at the combine for route run. Number one. Number one in the gauntlet. He's a he's a possession receiver to replace Tyler Boyd. This is how NFL teams think. They think in terms of we have a slot that needs to be filled and we're going to fill it with a guy that's graded the highest on our board. We have a particular position where our player's contract is about to expire in a year. Let's start to look ahead to backfilling that position a year in advance. That's what this Charlie uh, football. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this Charlie football pick is all about. They don't feel like they need a field stretcher, a pure field stretcher like Trey Palmer, because they have T Higgins and T Higgins is already playing that outside X uh, receiver role. And he's already getting into the deeper quadrants of the football field. They already have uh, Jamar chase playing Z running those double moves. They wouldn't have the route inventory to assign to Trey Palmer. So Trey Palmer would have been a bad fit on Cincinnati. They feel like for their system, the missing piece a year from now is going to be slot receiver. Hopefully, hopefully Trey Palmer can land somewhere that needs a field stretcher and will use him in year one because that that's the beauty of Trey Palmer not going to Cincinnati is that he wouldn't have been using year one anyway. I know that – why is he so old? Why is Charlie football so damn old? I'm, I'm assuming he probably got held back a couple times in middle school, and then he went to Iowa, and then he transferred. So uh, I don't, I don't know the complete story, but I'm just. Gonna you know say, why he transferred from Iowa? Because nah, Iowa sucks at passing the football. So that was a selfish move Does, by Charles F. Football. Yeah, he went to go play with Aiden O'Connell, who's a draft prospect. He's not a good draft prospect, but he's a draft prospect. Where Spencer Petrus is one of the worst quarterbacks of all time in college football. Well, I would leave Iowa yesterday if I could. So that partially explains, 100%. just like Jaden Reed transferring from Western Michigan, partially explains yeah. why he's so old. Yeah. I, I, looking at this wide receiver crew right now, as, as we kind of dive into it, 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 it's weird to see Charlie go to this spot because you're, you're thinking about that Tyler Boyd role, and I'm thinking of an Xavier Hutchinson. I'm thinking of a Parker Washington. I'm thinking of a Kayshawn Booty, a Dontavian Wicks. These are guys that I think would fit perfect in that spot. And they go for the 24-year-old Charlie Jones off the board, wide receiver 16 in this draft. Tyler Scott's still there. That was a guy pushed up by a lot of media during the process into the second round. Hutchinson had a great senior bowl. Elijah Higgins is more of a, a, a tight end than, than he is a wide receiver. But you look at this entire crew of the dudes out there, Kayshawn Butte. A guy that's 20 years old, and and if you can bring him in and put him with a, a, a established receiving core like a Chase and a T. Higgins, you would think that's a, a good spot for him. And okay, he also played with Chase at LSU, so I would have thought Butte would have fit better in there. Charlie Football, 24 years old, nonetheless. No, Charles, very listen, sneaky, very very sneaky spot. Here. On our rookie rankings, we had Charlie Jones at wide receiver 21. He's going to be going up from there, but. Wide receiver 21, what does that mean? That means we had him ranked heading into the draft ahead of Andre Ilasovis. He goes ahead of him. He goes ahead of Puka Nakua. I heard there's all this Puka Nakua nonsense. Puka, Na- Puka Nakua. Who? Am I saying that right? No, I just don't know who that is. Right. Puka Nakua is a sub-athlete. Okay, and I know that he does some things well. Well, guess what? The things that Puka Nakua does well, Charlie Jones does better. That's why we had those particular players 
ranked below Charlie Jones in our rankings heading in. And so we're out ahead. Uh, what we didn't see coming was Charlie Jones getting drafted before Kayshawn Booty. Yeah. Before A.T. Perry. Yeah. That we did not see coming ahead of Parker Washington, ahead of Xavier Hutchinson. Those are so slot guys. Now Charlie Jones is going to be looking and, and being compared to these other slot receivers. And now he has the better draft capital on the better team with the better quarterback. So you're going to be look for I can't this is a, this is incredible. Look for Charlie Jones to crack the top 15 dynasty wide receivers in this rookie class, not overall. <laughs> yeah, overall rookie. I give I feel like I have to clarify always. Like, no, no, I'm talking about just running backs. No, no, I'm talking about just receivers. No, no, I'm talking about just rookie receivers in this case. So wide receiver 15 or even higher for Charlie Jones. Look out on our, our rookie rankings for that. I like it. We got a pick in for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And going to uh, going to Wisconsin seemed to have worked for them just a few years ago. It also worked for them in round two. They went Big Ten in round two as well. Joy Porter. They went round two with Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Remember TJ Watt round two. They take Nick Herbig from Wisconsin here in round four. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. This is where you draft middle linebacker. If you want an off-ball linebacker, this is the round to draft them. Not the first round, Dan Campbell. I feel like we got teams like consistently doing this thing where they're they're just sticking with like the Chargers, TCU, TCU, Philadelphia, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Pittsburgh's now got Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. What do you, th- what do you think about this? That. It's kind of weird. No, no. The scouts are allowed to go to all the schools, right? No, I think they just pick one school. And they I mean, they, they, it's not it's not like they they knock on the door, right? And they're like, "What school? What, what team are you from?" Oh, I'm from the Chargers. Oh, come on in. You can you can talk to Quentin Johnston, or you you can watch practice. And then someone else shows up from another team and they're like, "Hey, uh, we're here to see uh, all these Georgia players." And like, are you with the Eagles? And they no, I'm not with the Eagles. I'm I'm with the Dolphins, right? I'm with the Falcons. Nope, sorry, sorry, you're not allowed. You gotta go to. You should go to Texas and, and scout Bijan Robbins, and you you probably need a running back more than you need like a, a super disruptive uh, edge rusher uh, or anyone at the point of attack. Go go draft running back instead. We have a pick coming in, um, but I do see a question in the chat here: uh, Swift over Gibbs in Dynasty. Okay, no. we have a pick in coming what? right now from the Chicago Bears. It is Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, 5'11", 185 pounds. He runs a four four four, and he's best comparable. To Sterling Shepard. Again, this is a guy I talked about all day yesterday. The media pushed him into round two. Trey Tucker instead goes ahead of him in round three. Tyler Scott comes here round four. Very interesting prospect, 21 and a half years old, uh, 85th percentile college dominator, 41%. He's a good prospect. Yeah, and, and he has he now has a higher teammate score. His teammate score on the breakout finder, one of our one of our signature metrics on the breakout finder is teammate score, looking at all the teammates he played with. And with with Tyler Scott. Now, because his teammate goes even earlier than him, his his teammate score is going to go up. The fact that he has such a high dominator rating, given the offense he played in and other quality receivers, this is great news. And he has a, a, a one of the more impressive athletic profiles of any wide receiver in this class. I never understood why Tyler Scott wasn't getting more a2 hype i know you said that he was but i mean a lot of mocks i had i I was not seeing much tyler scott and this is what happens he falls to day four now or he falls to the fourth round he's the second receiver drafted from his own team in rookie drafts if you have the option of a tyler scott generally speaking you don't want to make that pick 
generally speaking, if you draft a fourth or even third round wide receiver in a rookie draft, he is going to clog your roster. He is going to be uh, yeah. a year and a half on your taxi squad before you're forced to cut him for whatever reason. That's the 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 typical outcome for these types of players, even though, again, great burst, right? Above average athleticism across the board. Nice dominator rating. But he did nothing at an early age that would make you think that, oh, this guy has some phenom qualities to him. Mm-hmm. He's good, not great. Yeah. And good, not great in the NFL is a number four receiver and not typically fantasy relevant. Where had he gotten the the early second round draft pick like a Sterling Shepard did, then that would change his outcome. He might start as the number three option on his team and, and, and get more opportunities in practice to prove himself because he was a fourth round pick. He's not going to get the same number of opportunities. He's not going to have the same expectations. And because he doesn't have true difference making talent, it's going to be difficult for him to flash in practice in order to earn those new opportunities. And that's how most of these wide receivers end on the, end up on this conveyor belt where they just never crack fantasy relevant. So if you're in the third round, you're in the fourth round and you're thinking, Oh, I'm going to pick Tyler Scott here. I would, I would issue a word of caution and suggest going to a deeper position like tight end. It might might be a value tight end, like a Tucker craft available or go running back instead in Chicago right now. Ryan Poles is making these selections. Ryan Poles did not make the selection just three years ago when they took Darnell Mooney in the fifth round. Darnell Mooney's a free agent after the 2023 season. 5'11", 185 pounds. Tyler Scott, 5'11", 185 pounds. Darnell Mooney. But Darnell Mooney's more athletic. 95th percentile burst, 4'4", I mean, the 4'3", at his pro day. This is, this is the direct replacement. This is what we talk about. Yeah, he. Yeah, so, so technically, Darnell Mooney is one one hundredth of a second faster with his forty time. If you compare Mooney at the combine, yep, versus Tyler Scott at his at his pro day, which we can't do. The, the profiles are strikingly similar, and this is what NFL teams do. They look at a position of need, or they look at a player whose contract is about to expire. And they say, let's go to the player pool. Let's go to player profiler because we know these NFL teams use player profiler. Let's look up a team. Let's look up a, a, a college team that we follow closely, like Georgia, whatever it is. Or let, let's let's sort by, let's go to data analysis and sort by height, weight, athletic profile, dominator rating. Let's find the, the analog to that guy in the draft. Again, we talked about it yesterday. The best example in recent memory is the Titans saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and trade A.J. Brown, or we're going to find an analog for A.J. Brown in Traylon Burks. So often, that's what these teams are doing. They're just trying to find the guy that will play the role to replace the guy whose contract is going to expire or they don't intend to pay You know, a year from now. That's the Charlie football pick. Goodbye, uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. And that's what this pick is. Goodbye, Darnell Mooney. So it, we're getting information. This is the the three days out of the year where the NFL teams cannot lie to you. So in the, in the, the information that they're telling you is, okay, Tyler Boyd's going to be uh, a Bengal for only one more season. Darnell Mooney is going to be a Bear for only one more season. There's three ways you can go at this, too. Jacoby Myers, again, was in New England. They let him walk. They bring in Juju. They pay somebody else to come in. The Raiders paid Hunter Renfro. 16 million a year for two years. They have an out after this year. It's like 5 million dead next year. 
They can get out, but they did pay him. They put the contract in front of him. They signed it. Then they drafted Trey Tucker. Or you can get ahead of it like the Chicago Bears are right now with Ryan Poles. They're getting ahead of Darnell Mooney because they're like, we're not going to pay you because you're not an alpha. You're not a an upper-end number two. That's not how we're going to build this team. We're going to let you walk. We're not going to pay you 14 15 16 $17 million to overpay you. We're going to go get Trey, uh, Tyler Scott, and he's going to take your job tomorrow. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's the difference, right? That's the difference between the Raiders and the Bears. The Bears are playing at a, this game at a higher level right now. They're seeing the field. Uh, more moves ahead. So instead of signing a possession receiver to a bad contract, they're getting out ahead of it and saying, we're not going to wait for the second contract to expire on this guy. We're just going to go ahead and not sign him. We're going to let him walk. And we're going to draft his replacement now mm-hmm. for a year from now. So we're saving money. This allows the Bears to save money in 2025 and 2026. Ryan Poles, man. He's doing the damn Ryan thing. Ryan Poles is doing it. He's doing the damn thing. And I think he's doing it at a very, very high level right Top now. five general manager. Ryan Poles, top five general manager. How many guys do you have in the top five right now? I have about seven to eight top five general managers. It makes sense. It makes sense. All right, we got. I have, two. I have fourteen in my top ten. We're we're gonna finish out round four right now. Jay Ward from LSU goes to the Minnesota Vikings. He stays purple and yellow. He goes to the purple and yellow. Jay Ward is a very infamous defensive back. You don't remember him, but you should. But you might in your memory. You do. Jay Ward was the one that got. Okie doked at the senior bowl by Tyja Spears. Oh, I was never going to pull that. <laughs> There's no, you, you can't blame him. I mean, they, they, it was a tough one. He, he that had him was, on that was a great route. He had him on skates. It was great. So, there was a question in the chat earlier. Yeah. Uh, about Gibbs versus DeAndre Swift. So, just so everybody knows, <laughs> you shouldn't be trading. Jameer Gibbs for DeAndre Swift. You shouldn't be selecting DeAndre Swift ahead of Jameer Gibbs in any format. There's been a bat signal put in the sky from the Detroit Lions telling all teams and all members of the media and all fantasy gamers that DeAndre Swift is persona non grata in Detroit. That that DeAndre Swift is never going to be a workhorse back. They don't believe that DeAndre Swift is durable enough. They don't believe that DeAndre Swift is passionate enough to be a, a, an every-down player in the NFL. That is a damning sign when a team is willing to move on from a player and punt him after a couple years and not even see his rookie contract through. Go back through time to all the first and second-round picks where NFL teams decided, no, that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna let the we're gonna we're gonna move on before the contract is before the signature is is even dry on the contract, right? The best example of this is Josh Rosen, where the Cardinals were like, "Hello, Josh Rosen, goodbye, Josh Rosen." The door is opening, the door is closing, right? It's a revolving, it revolves, and he's in, is out, right? So that was the, that was the the fastest earliest pick to see like uh, a, a, you know. Can we get a redo? Right, where an NFL team just admits that like, this was a huge mistake. We're moving on. The Detroit Lions have told the league and everybody that the DeAndre Swift pick was a mistake, mm-hmm. and so they've and they've had DeAndre Swift in the building. They've watched him in practice for now what three years? Three years. 
three years, three full years to make an assessment. Okay, it's different than scouts that you know are focusing on the wrong details, evaluating college players. They get it wrong all the time. NFL teams that have had a guy in the building for three years rarely get that wrong. If they decide to move on, the idea that he's going to break out somewhere else and another team's going to figure out a way to unlock him, it's a lot more rare. So the signal that we have from the NFL that DeAndre Swift is never going to be a featured back is strong. So the idea that you would even remotely consider trading Gibbs for Swift, you wouldn't do it. Even though the situation, I understand the situation looks so tempting. Oh my God, he just has to outplay Rashad Penny and Kenneth Gainwell. This is too easy. But what's going to inevitably happen is Rashad Penny is going to command a bunch of touches. Rashad Penny is going to come in there hungry, hungrier than DeAndre Swift when he arrives. Kenneth Gainwell is electric in the passing game. He's not DeAndre Swift, but Kenneth Gainwell worked so hard in the offseason that his coach Nick Sirianni wore a Kenneth Gainwell t-shirt. So you already you have some players that are bought into the culture in Philadelphia in a way that DeAndre Swift likely will never buy in. And because of that, the ceiling on DeAndre Swift, the opportunity share he could command in Philadelphia just is not the same as what Jameer Gibbs can do in Detroit. They're apples and oranges. I'm still not going to have any DeAndre Swift shares ever. But we do have a trade. So I'm going to send it to Jack to end round four. There's a trade for maybe a fantasy-relevant player that was once comped by his new coach to Tom Brady. (gasps) Yes. Yes, he did get compared to Tom Brady by Josh McDaniels. The Raiders are sending pick 144 and 214 to the New England Patriots in exchange for pick 135 and they get Aiden O'Connell, the guy who made Charlie football or the guy that Charlie football made. And at what point is he going to have to start this year? Because they got Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to get hurt behind him. They've got Brian Hoyer, the worst backup quarterback in the league. I wouldn't be surprised if Aiden O'Connell is forced to start a game or two this year. And that is scary. Back to you, my friends. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. And one of our key missions is to make as much statistics and information and deep analysis available on playerprofiler.com for free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible. If you can't do All In, that's okay. We have a draft kit. We can just subscribe to the player rankings. Those now include tight end premium FFPC ranks. Our brand new data analysis package will blow your hair back. And of course, there's our Dynasty Deluxe and our DFS Dominator. Take a moment, check out our premium services to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get Get the show. Anand, we're live here. Round five just started. And uh, I know you've watched some Purdue football. Is Aiden O'Connell Tom Brady? Are you serious? <laughs> Josh McDaniel said so. I, first of all, I don't trust a thing Josh McDaniel says about anything because there's no track record other than having Tom Brady of him being a good coach, period. I don't know, dude. <laughs> you want to comp anyone to Tom Brady? Like, like they were trying to do that with Burrow when he came out, and even that was insane. 
Like he, he said, he said his release reminds me of Tom Brady. It's like, dude, you you coached Tom Brady for like what eight, ten years in New England, and you just drafted Aiden O'Connell. You just traded up to get Aiden O'Connell with the last pick in the fourth round. He probably would have fell to you ten picks later. Um, this is one where at the Shrine Bowl there was some reports of him potentially being a, a second round guy or being you know that sixth quarterback off the board. Instead, he falls here to the last pick of round four. Yeah, I mean. What's the hit rate on fourth round quarterback that doesn't have a plus arm? You're talking about betting on skills. Like it, it, the Raiders clearly wanted somebody at the bottom of round one, and we're trying to trade up. There are multiple reports that they tried to get back to the bottom end of round one. Presumably, it was for Will Levis, and then now there's Aiden O'Connell yeah. coming in here in the fourth round, and you've got Josh McDaniels talking about Tom Brady. He's not Tom Brady. He's nowhere near Tom Brady. I'm not even sure he's as good as any of the backups that Tom Brady had. Stop this. Just ridiculous. So round five does begin here with the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Yaisir Abdullah from Louisville outside linebacker. And then Washington takes KJ Henry from Clemson, an edge rusher. Uh, He was playing on the opposite side of Miles Murphy. Watched him down at the Clemson Pro Day. Didn't do a lot uh, in the workouts, but he did look okay. He goes here with the second pick in the fifth round. Again, you look at Washington and what they've done over the last five years or six years, I guess, uh, along the defensive line. Generally, they're spending capital on early round on the defensive line. Now they come back here and they start spending the late picks. They started early yesterday and on Thursday going Forbes and Jatarvis Martin on the back end. Then yesterday they go offensive line, Braden Daniels and Ricky Stromberg on the inside and they all had a tackle. Now defensive line. Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, all first-round picks. Fifth-rounder, K.J. Henry, do you even, like, he's not going to compete with these dudes. I don't think he's going to compete with these dudes, but I think they realize what happens when you allocate that much first-round draft capital to a certain resource, right? And miss, and miss. And miss, too, right? Because the thing is, now one of Sweat or Chase is probably going to get moved, and now you're going to have to play him simply because you can't afford two $20-25 million edge rushers, plus your defensive tackle, plus another potential defensive tackle, plus first-round draft capital over and over and over again. So as great as that line was and as much as they carried that team, this is what happens when you you force yourself and take lock yourself into, oh, this is a valuable position. Let's just draft them over and over and over again at the same time. I like it. They moved up for him, too. They made a trade. They traded up with the Buffalo Bills to make the pick of K.J. Henry here. It's interesting. It is what it is. If you're on YouTube right now, we appreciate you guys tapping in here. Again, we're an hour and a half in on this fine Saturday, and when the fifth round just started, we have a a considerable amount of picks to go. So make sure you click that like button, click subscribe, share the link on Twitter. We'll retweet that bad boy and stay tapped in as we get through most of these picks. Now, when you look at the best available players right now, oh, best available players. We just brought it up. up. Okay, we got to go right back to Indianapolis right here because Darius Rush is a dude that at the Senior Bowl, it was Julius Brents, it was Tyreek Stevenson, and it was Darius Rush. That were the three cornerbacks that I loved. And Rush falls all the way to round five here. I went to that South Carolina Pro Day, and I watched Cam Smith work out next to Darius Rush. Rush has the speed over Cam Smith. But Cam Smith, of course, goes down to Miami, play with Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey. He's got that tenacity, that alpha corner ability. Rush is going to be more of a Trey Waynes type, in my opinion. And I think he fits well in that spot. Now you put him literally in Indianapolis with Julius Brents. They're crushing it. Andy's absolutely crushing it. Rush was 
consensus across the board, a top 75 player for everybody. He's been our best available player for a long time. He's been multiple other people's best available player for a long time. And again, right, Chris Ballard just sat there and said, okay, (laughs) nobody else wants to take a top 75 player that's a cornerback at a position that we not only need depth in but might need a starter in, right? What a swing, what a hit. I mean, man, you got to love it if you're a Colts fan. Those are the three right there. I just wrote them down just because we've talked about all these GMs over the course of the day. We got to start making a list because Indianapolis, Chicago, and Philly right now offhand are the three that I'm going to be looking at. When you pull up this Indianapolis Colts draft selection, dude, they got some some dogs right here. Anthony Richardson, Julius Brents, Darius Rush, Josh Downs, Blake Freeland, and Adetomwe Adetobori from Northwestern. Six animals. And they're on the clock in two picks. Yeah. I mean, they, they're they happy to trade back and get take more swings at freak athletes. Four fifth-round picks today. Four fifth-round picks. And I guarantee you, this isn't the last pick that they make that we're going to be excited about. The other team that I would add to the, the list of three that you've got is Pittsburgh, man. Because, I mean, they're just absolutely crushing day one, two, and now into day three of this draft. And this is Omar Khan's Omar first draft. Omar Khan's first draft. Yeah. And this is Omar Khan. So Omar Khan and I went down to the Georgia and the Clemson Pro Days, and those were two. So so uh, Tomlin and Omar Khan were not at South Carolina, but they were at Georgia and Clemson. Boots on the ground together, just like Tomlin and Colbert have been for the last few years. And Omar Khan just fit right in there, right? It was like, oh, is Omar going to be boots on the ground with Tomlin? Right there by his side, sweatpants, talking shit with all the kickers. I bet you 10 bucks with that pick right there, 724, it's going to be – Pod Lesney, the kicker from Georgia, if they don't move up for him in the sixth round. But when you look at these selections, Big Ten, SEC, Joey Porter, Keanu Benton, Nick Urbig, all from the Big Ten, and then you get the Georgia boys, Darnell and Broderick Jones. You, you love this from Mark. Yeah, this is just pure, I'm building a culture, right? Yeah. And we're going to be mean and nasty. We're going to lean into our past a little bit in terms of Porter Jr. Keanu Benton joins his Wisconsin boy, TJ Watt on the edge, right? I mean, you're just talking about a team that knows what its identity is, despite having a new general manager, and all they're doing is building and building and building on what they've already built in the last decade plus with Mike Tomlin as their coach. If you're a Steeler fan, you have no question what your team's identity is and what they're going to do, but to get the value that they've gotten in the guys that they wanted anyway at the spots that they've taken them is truly remarkable so far. So we have a pick in, and it may be fantasy relevant because this guy may be starting a handful of games in 2023 at the quarterback position, and that is not because of his talent, but he does have some arm strength, and it will be an opportunity. Pick 139, the Cardinals select Clayton Toon out of Houston. Whoa. That's a good pick. Yeah. Jeff Driscoll, Colt McCoy, and now Clayton Toon on this roster. Toon walks in day one. I don't know if he's got the biggest sack in the room, but he's definitely got the biggest arm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think Jeff Driscoll needs to be starting games in 2023. Do you? No. No. And I mean, Cole McCoy is, is, is what he is. You know, we've known exactly what he is for more than a decade now. Um, but, you know, Toon, there are a few guys that are in this range at quarterback that are just interesting. Dorian Thompson Robinson's one of them. Clayton Toon was obviously certainly one of them. We saw Hayner go earlier. Another really interesting quarterback prospect but it's guys like this right that have tools that you really like that you're sitting there if you're Arizona and you're like oh I've got to have this guy start six games for me right it's a lot more interesting than throwing what a 35 year old Cole McCoy back out there or 
God forbid Jeff Driscoll takes NFL snaps that matter. You look at this Arizona roster, and I'm going to be interested to see what Billy has to say about this in the next uh, next hour if we can get him on. Um, but when you look at the the receiving room right now, Michael Wilson they take earlier. They still have Hopkins under contract if they don't trade him. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, Rondell Moore, Dorch, Greg, the greatest wide receiver of all time at Wake Forest, and then Zach Pascal. Clayton Toon with those weapons, if Hopkins doesn't leave, I mean, there's some relevancy there, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about not just for for redraft, but for DFS specifically, right? You know, we dive in, you're talking about value, and especially when we talk about DFS dart throws for guys that might provide more value than, than they cost. They're probably not going to name a quote-unquote starting quarterback until yep. in the late July, early August, because they're going to hold out hope that Kyler Murray can come back earlier than he should. He shouldn't. We all know that. And they're not going to tell their fans, hey, there's no chance that he comes back this year. But there is a chance that they just sit him out all year, right? I mean, this this team is on Caleb Williams, Drake Maywatch. You know, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. We know that. But when does Kyler come back? What does that team look like? What does their record look like? And the thing is, right, we saw this with multiple guys, Purdy, last year. Some guys just need a shot. And if Clayton Toon is one of those guys that just needs a shot, then I think you're looking at something here, right? You might be able to get more draft capital than you invested in him this year for him next year if he looks good in that six-game sample size. So I think it's a really good pick from Arizona. A better quarterback in a worse position for him as far as 2023 goes. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a guy we just talked about, Kyler Murray. I think he's got some Kyler tendencies. It's not just the height. He's got a good arm. He had the strongest arm at the combine as far as velocity goes. I can't remember. I think it was uh, 63 miles per hour. I think the number was maybe 73. I can't remember. 63, Whatever. The, the Dorian Thompson-Robinson has the arm talent, over 10,000 passing yards at UCLA. He goes to Cleveland here at pick 140 behind Deshaun Watson. How you feel about that land spot? Because I think it, it, everybody knows it's Deshaun Watson's spot. Thompson Robinson is a guy that is not ready to play right now in the NFL. He's got arm talent, but I think you put him behind a Watson, even for a year, it's going to make him a viable backup going down the road. Yeah, and I think your your hope with a DTR is basically that he has that kind of, it's not necessarily the same evolution as a Jalen Hurts, but there there are similarities, right? Really strong arm, mobile, got better every single year that he played in college. I think when you look at a Dorian Thompson Robinson, the biggest question you have is how quickly will he adapt to the NFL game simply because we've seen Chip Kelly quarterbacks struggle in the past because the system at UCLA and Oregon prior makes life so easy for them yeah. that it's kind of a tougher transition for them than for other spots. And I think it's it's – it's good that he went somewhere that he doesn't have to start right away because I think that would be kind of a that would be a rough patch for him. I don't think that he would do really well starting in 2023. Um, obviously, you would like a spot where the quarterback isn't as solidified as a Deshaun Watson is in Cleveland. But overall, I think you know when you're talking about round five draft capital, you're throwing darts here, and, and I think that's a really good dart throw for Cleveland. The Vikings just traded up. Is it for a running back? We'll see. But we just watched two quarterbacks go off the board, Clayton Toon, who's more of a passer than a rusher, to the Arizona Cardinals, and DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, goes to the Browns, like we said, after the Cardinals. Why didn't, just in a, in a, in a quick one here, why didn't Dorian Thompson-Robinson go to Arizona? Why didn't Arizona take him? Because it's the same, it's the same mold, it's the same, it's the same prospect, essentially, just at a lower level than Kyler, Kyler Murray. Is it because you think that Toon is probably more pro-ready? 
or like I just it just feels weird that they would change the offense and be like, all right, if Clayton Toons yeah. our quarterback, he can't he's not a rushing quarterback like Kyler Murray is. Where DTR, you can say, all right, DTR, watch all this Kyler Murray film and go be diet Kyler. Right. And I, I think that's to me, that makes a lot of sense, right? It's how Baltimore operated behind Lamar when they drafted Tyler Huntley to basically be, you know, diet Lamar if they needed him. Um, I think it made a lot of sense. To me, I probably would have taken DTR over Clayton Tune, but clearly I think one of their problems is they think they might know in the building that they're potentially holding out Kyler for all of 2023. And Clayton Toon's probably just more ready to throw NFL passes tomorrow than Dorian Thompson Robinson is. We have a trade up for the Minnesota Vikings here into round five, pick 141. They jumped right between the Browns here. Uh, I don't have details yet on the trade and we don't have a selection in yet. But I have a little bit of a, a feel that this may just be for a running back. And if it is, this house might just erupt because if Delvin Cook gets cut in the next week and a half and Alexander Madison and Tykevious Chandler, the only two guys on the uh, in the backfield, this running back that gets selected right here could just be fantasy viable when we're looking at this 2023 season wow. and beyond. The pick is in and we're waiting for Quesi Adolfo Mensa to send it to the marker. And we're going to get an answer on whether this is a running back. Would you go running back here? Yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're Minnesota, you obviously have to move on from Dalvin. Money's just it's too expensive for what he is right now. You're paying Kirk all this money. Justin Jefferson's about to cost you an arm and a leg, as we all know. He's worth every dollar, no question whatsoever. Uh, the pick is in. It's not Israel Abanacanda. It's Joquan Roy from LSU, defensive tackle. <sighs> they love the big boys in Minnesota. They love the big boys in Minnesota. They love the LSU boys. And they don't go running back. They trade up. They don't go for Israel Abanacana. So the fall continues. Kenny Nwangu, who I talked to Nate List uh, two Fridays ago about Nwangu and Abanacana being comparable guys in the aspect that they're hyper athletes. Again, it was reported that Abanacana ran a 4.38 or 4.35 on Twitter. He actually ran a 4.47, which translates to a 4.52. He's not the athlete you all expected him to be. And he's not on Kenny's level. Kenny had 2,400 kick return yards while he was at Iowa State, only four or 700 rushing yards. Opposite for Abanacan, over 2,000 on the ground, only 400 in the return game. Abanacan falls to the fifth. It's going to be tough sledding, man. We're going we're to need an ideal landing spot for him to be super fantasy viable, especially early, which sucks because that's the kind of profile of a guy that you'd like to bet on, that you'd like to be able to kind of invest some of your dynasty assets, DFS throws, whatever it is in. Yeah. But it's just, it's the, the fall continues, right? We're in a round five and, uh, and it's it's just tough to see the best landing spot available. For for looking at it from an NFL perspective, we see Abanacanda, Dwayne McBride, Chase Brown, Zach Evans, a lot of these big names. Deuce Vaughn, I think, is a fifth, sixth-round guy. Uh, Kenny McIntosh was once looked that up in that conversation. Evan Hull should start to get into this conversation here. But from an NFL perspective, is round five feels like an area where you should be taking a shot on running back? Yeah. I mean, you, you can you can throw your dart here at whoever you think is the best among these guys, right? Because at this point in the draft, you're not really looking for anything other than either a guy that you hope can break out and turn into something that he really showed flashes of in college or a depth position in, you know, in a spot that matters where, you know, you get a depth safety in the third round. It looks one way you get a depth safety in the fifth round. It looks a little bit different. Is there any prospects or any players from uh, Ohio State, the Big Ten, or anywhere else that uh, you, you're looking at right now, looking in, in, in round five, 
Um, I see a couple guys. Luke Whipler from Ohio State, the center. center. I know you're an Ohio yep. State guy. You got any thoughts on Whipler? Maybe a Jalen Duncan, a Josh Wiley, some guys from that area? Yeah. So, I mean, Wiley was a guy at Cincinnati. It was a really productive tight end for them. I think he's going to be. He told me. I want to be the next Travis Kelsey at the Senior Bowl. Ooh, what you, what, same school. Yeah, yeah, but that's what he said. He said that's what I want to mold into. Oh what, wow, what do, you, what do, you, do you think that's even the range of outcomes? <laughs> I think that's asking a lot. <laughs> I think that's asking a lot, right? Uh, Jalen Duncan from Maryland, really productive tackle. Whipler for me. There are guys every year that just get bad draft advice, yep. right? And Whipler was a guy that probably we all knew at Ohio State probably needed another year. He was projected as around it's a day two guy, round two three pick. Yep. And decided to, to take his fortunes to the draft. And this is the part that sucks about football versus basketball, right? Basketball, we allow them to test the draft and then come back if they don't like it, if they don't like the results. In football, you just go once and you're gone. So Whipler getting not even high day three draft capital is really concerning in the sense that I don't know who's going to draft him to be their starting center in the fifth or sixth round. All right, let's send it to the couch because I see some projections ready for DeAndre Swift and Jameer Gibbs, maybe? Does Jameer Gibbs crack the top 25, 20, 15, 10, 5? Where will Billy put him? Let's see. Well, the couch is ready to talk about some players that actually matter in fantasy right now. For <laughs> and so about damn time you kick it to the couch. So Gibbs moves all the way up to RB18 inside of the projections. We knew he was dominant into the passing game inside of college. He comes in, immediately steps into a major role in the Lions passing game. Uh, we have no Jameson Williams for six weeks. This opens up the door for him to carve out a, a large role inside the passing game. He's still going to be the number two back on the ground behind David Montgomery. This moves Montgomery actually up into the top 25. So we're back to where we were originally at with two backs inside of this team inside the top 25 gibbs does of course crack the top 20 breaking news <laughs> oh oh we got some no. breaking news oh no i hate the no, no. breaking news a banana lands with the jets and that is not looking good from a fantasy perspective i like that israel banana got the early round five draft slot yeah draft the banana and best ball yeah we could hope with this pick that he might be able to carve out a role as they kind of rest Brees Hall in the beginning of the season and he can kind of shine and then maybe become the RB two behind him. Mm -hmm. But um, that's kind of a best case scenario right now for Banacanda. No, this is terrible news for Banacanda for dynasty. This craters his value. If he had gone to a, a, a a running back Haven landing spot in the early fifth round, this would have been great. great. Again, early fifth round. Is is a, is now the new early fourth round, the, it, but this is the worst possible world because there's no way he's better than Brees Hall. We know for yeah. a true fact, there's no way he's better than Brees Hall. He could have gone to a handful of teams where it's conceivable that he could earn the the you know the primary back role within a year or two. That's not in the range of outcomes with the with the the Jets. Unfortunately, this is exactly what we've been talking about. The theme of today is teams replacing existing players or looking ahead to players that need to be replaced a year from now with analogs. This is their Ty Johnson replacement. Israel Abanacanda is a comp to Ty Johnson. These are straight line, fast players 
that are good, not great in the passing game. They're classic slashers that when they're best utilized, they're getting eight to 10 touches a game. This is what they're doing. They're saying, well, we, 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 we perceive we need an upgrade on Ty Johnson as our number three slasher running back. Let's go ahead and do that. I don't even think this seriously threatens uh, Carter. Michael Carter in, yeah. in the first six weeks of the season. It, yeah, a fifth-round pick nine. getting up and running, a fifth-round pick getting accustomed to the league. Even Isaiah Pacheco did not start commanding any meaningful touches for the first six weeks. Those all went to Clyde Edwards-Solaire. He was an RB1 in fantasy during that period of time. So, and the, But the problem for Abanacanda is while he's getting ramped up, while he's getting acclimated to the league, guess who's recuperating and getting his knee on a percent? Brees Hall. Brees Hall. So he's going to need to perform exceptionally well early in camp to earn some touches next to Michael Carter when Brees Hall is not going to be operating at 100% capacity, is not fully online. And for a fifth-round pick who was raw to begin with from Pittsburgh, that's uh, highly unlikely. Yeah, this is he's going to be competing. Like you said, he's competing with touches with Carter, Bam Knight, right? So it, this is the two slash three role uh, at best, and and I, I I'm not liking the landing spot for Abanacanda. So let's let's pivot back to the oh. Swift because we had a chance to talk about Swift. So Swift, of course, gets traded to the Eagles. It sounds like an amazing landing spot, and we have to say. The fact that he is now not buried behind Gibbs, not buried behind David Montgomery, is definitely a benefit for his projections for 2023. However, the Eagles do like to use, and Nick Sirianni in particular, like to use three running backs. They still really like Gainwell, who also is effective in the passing game. They have Rashad Penny, who, when healthy, has been one of the most dynamic and explosive backs, averaging over six yards of carry for the past two years. He's been the most efficient running back in the league in a small sample. And we're going to be that annoying fantasy shop that continues to remind fantasy gamers that Kenneth Gainwell is not going away. Yeah, he's not going away. And that's the thing. So now we have a three-headed monster, which we were expecting in Philly. But now you have three, in my opinion, really explosive backs with Penny, Gainwell, and Swift. Would you expect anything less from Howie Roseman? I would not. I mean, they, they, they got him for free. Is what it was. Yeah. Why is it for free? Explain it. Now, they are giving up a fourth round pick in 2025, but why could that be offset? So if he walks in free agency, they get the compensatory pick, they get a round four back. So it, essentially, they moved down 30 spots in round seven, I think is what it was. Don't yeah. Quote me. So it's a free roll. They're getting a free roll on They're a getting year a of DeAndre Swift. They get the production and they get a free look. And if they really wanted to, I mean, they have no ties to him. They have they, nothing that's it, really any investment into him. If they wanted to give him a large workload to see if he could handle it. So when we talk about projections, right, we have ceiling, mean, and low and see a, a floor. If we're doing a ceiling play for here, I think DeAndre Swift could be potentially a high-end RB2, because if they were to give him that role, we know his ability. We know he's explosive. We know it. if he had been given that Alvin Kamara role, we're potentially talking about an RB1 because of how explosive and yes, he is. sure, yeah. Of course, health is part of it. The, the amount of touches and opportunities he's gotten has hindered that, but ceiling projection, great. Swift to the moon. However, realistically, 
the Eagles and Sirianni like to use three running backs, and we can expect them to do so again here in 2023. And on the flip side, you saw Brad Holmes fist bump, fist pump, and bump. Throw both out there. On that Jameer <laughs> Gibbs pick. And now the number three running back in Detroit is Justin Jackson or Craig Reynolds. I'm going to put my money on Craig Reynolds on that. Craig Reynolds, it, just he's you know team captain type leader in the backfield. They're going to find a way to keep Craig Reynolds around, and he's going to get zero touches. It consolidates it back down to Montgomery and Gibbs. Gibbs, Montgomery. It's, it's a much more straightforward backfield in Detroit now than it is in Philadelphia. And now I feel even better. I was on the game plan this morning with, with my boy Maddie behind me, and I told a guy, he said, who should I take with my, with, with my next pick in Dynasty? And I said, you know what? I typically lean running backs here, and I like the outs and the paths to success for Gibbs, and I'm glad – we we had it come back in full circle already. We had so we knew that uh, Roshan Johnson also had outs. Yep. In the fourth round, we thought that Abanacanda he did have outs in the fifth round, just didn't happen. Imagine if Abanacanda went to the Rams what if he and, the and he Vikings was the understudy, right? The understudy of Cam Akers, who we know the team does not get along with. What if Abanacanda had gone to the Chargers yep. and? The Chargers and Austin Eckler are at an impasse with contract negotiations. What if Abanacanda had gone to the Vikings? And they get rid of Cook. And Cook is just more evidence that Cook is about to be traded or they announce the trade at that same moment or later in the day. This is why I talk about landing spot. And I, I, and I say to people, I'm not, a draft, I'm not a draft analyst. I'm a, I'm a ranker. I do projections. And for me... Finding out way, where they're landing is just the beginning of my process to where I now start solving the matrix and figuring out how they're going to fit into the coaching scheme. How are they going to fit into this rotation? What is it going to look like? And this is, this is why I love doing projections. It's, it's trying to have the, you know, the sight or the vision to, to, to look in advance and say, what is this team going to do? And how is this going to break down? And it's, in my opinion, one of the, the, the truest testaments of, of football knowledge and being trying to – Put yourself in the mindset of a GM and coaching perspective. How do you going to use these players? And that's how human beings evolved. We evolved <laughs> by uh, chasing game, right? Yes. Right. We we were we uh, were the game persistence hunters, <laughs> and what we had to do was project. Hey, I'm that antelope. I'm that axis deer. I'm. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Am I going to go left? Am I going to go right? Am I going to try to find shade? Am I going to try to find water? What am I going to do? So we were constantly projecting as endurance hunters where the game is putting ourselves in the mind of the deer, right? Of the antelope. And over time, this is what we've become really good at. And now we're now projecting for what a player is going to do in the NFL and how that game might impact this other game. So we're doing a projection onto a game that's a proxy for another <laughs> game. Right. Let me look so back. This to, is the level that we're at. We're, 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 this is where humanity has come. Look back to day one, and we are. This is what we're using our brains for now. Day one, when the Lions selected Gibbs, and you guys kicked it down the projections corner, we said we are projecting Swift to be traded. However, it is impossible to project where and to really actually include it in your projections. So we had to incorporate it into the now and then, where we had a three-headed beast. However, we knew that wasn't going to be the case. We knew he was going to be moved. They signaled that they were they were it was they were all in on Gibbs. Yeah. 
Yeah. So th- it was funny that there was this uh, buy low moment that was 24 hours. We said we would do a 24 hour window. Hope you capitalized. Yeah. We said they get a 20. I went on Sirius XM with Alan on the Rotowire show. I said, you have 24 hours to trade for Swift. I hope you're trying to do it right now. Anyone, any, any uh, dynasty leaguer who is, you know, truly getting after it, right? If you want to be an upper percentile dynasty leaguer and make real money playing dynasty, the FFPC is the best place to play dynasty, by the way, promo code underworld, then you need to be grinding your leagues and putting out offers to try to get as much DeAndre Swift during this 24 hour period as possible. And now you may have acquired a little bit of DeAndre Swift. Theo Greminger, he's one of those grinders, right? I'm sure he acquired some DeAndre Swift yesterday and throughout the night. I'm sure that Theo woke up this morning with more DeAndre Swift than he had yesterday. I am sure of it. And you know what Theo's doing right now? We should call him. But I'm sure flipping Theo is now putting him <laughs> on the block. Theo Instant returns. He is trying to get rid of all the DeAndre Swift. So now you 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 get him and then you the next day you immediately turn around and he is the number one player that I am trying to deal because he's got the he's got that he's got that sweet smell of the Philadelphia Eagles on him. Now is the time to strike. I actually have some DeAndre Swift that where I drafted him in rookie drafts and I have been resistant to these low ball offers for years. Yeah. Now I'm listening for the first time in years. Because you're going to get some serious offers now. Now it's not, oh, he's he's not going to fit for the team. They're going to cut him. They're no, going to get rid of him. Uh, they the did, first... but guess what? He's on the Eagles. with One of the best old lines in football now. I'm listening. You know what? I'm listening. I, and I, but we have grinders inside the chat, too. If you listen to the, the stream and we told you to go out and get him, put it in the comments. Let us know what you acquired DeAndre Swift for. I want to see the prices that we got him for. Prior to the trade. Back to you, Cody. All right. I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis, the data analysis tool. We listen to the users. What do you want? What do you need? And we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report. And if you want to create a new report, but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data. Show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just is much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the fantasy tools section, click on data analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data dash analysis. We're back round five, and we have a shocker. The New England Patriots went offensive line with Antonio Maffi from UCLA. New England, guard, guard, center, guard throughout this draft. What the hell are we doing here? We're going to run the ball, and we're going to run the ball, and just when you think we're going to throw, we're going to run the ball some more. Seems like a Bill Belichick uh Angle on the life, right? Yeah. Run the ball, run the ball. And when probably, everyone else zigs, we zag, right? Ramondre Stevenson looks like a big winner right now. Kevin Harris is there. Uh, JJ Taylor's there. Pierre Strong is there. Dwayne McBride's still on the board. Sean Tucker's still on the board. Tucker feels like a New England guy, doesn't he? You know who my comp was for him? Who was it? Uh, James White. Yeah. It just feels right. If he's got good medicals by one team and that one team slap happens to be New England, 
<clears throat> Sean Tucker fits. That's the one. I don't know, man. We got we got two more guys that go off the board. Safety, Jamie Robinson from Florida State. He got some juice over the last month into round three, round two in that area. He falls to round five to the Carolina Panthers here. And then Jordan Howden from Minnesota goes in round five to the New Orleans Saints. We do have a tight end going off the board. It's a guy we mentioned just a few minutes ago. And he's not Travis. A lot of Travis Kelsey. And he's the same size as Travis Kelsey. His name is Josh Wiley from Cincinnati. He's going to Tennessee to play next to Chigaconquo. They love Chigaconquo. We're, we're talking to a couple of Tennessee reporters down at the Combine, and it was like, you know, who are they going to bring in the tight end? Are they going to sign a free agent? Are they going to draft a guy high? No, we love Chig. We know they love Chig. They draft Josh Wiley here. We just talked about him. What do you think about Wiley? I think it's just more of a matter of they feel like – they probably feel like Wiley's a better pass catcher at this point than they could find in terms of a wide receiver, right? We talked all, all offseason and kind of in this whole process about how – wide receiver was kind of a mixed bag this year and it's kind of you see what you want to see in this wide receiver class as opposed to having guys with defined roles um and i think they probably just went out there and felt that wiley was just a better fit for what they want to do if they keep derrick henry you know they're going to run downhill two tight end sets a lot of 12 personnel especially with Traylon burks and the frame that he possesses basically like another tight end out there blocking on the edge so I mean, I don't think they're they're doing anything that they they haven't done before, where they're telling you exactly who they are and what they want to do. But when they throw, I think Wiley's an interesting player. It's just a matter of you know how does he project to the next level and what does he look like next to another guy that we think is going to be a really productive tight end going forward. The Bears are on the clock here at one forty eight, but you mentioned pass catchers that are still available. Zach Kunz from Old Dominion still there. Will Mallory from Miami at tight end. Uh, another one that's deeper down is Payne Durham, the big donkey from Purdue. He had a great senior bowl week, great red zone target down there. A.T. Perry from Wake Forest is on the board as well. Uh, I just clicked a video that hopefully does not play. And uh, Xavier Hutchinson, Trey Palmer, Kayshawn Booty, all receivers that I think would fit well in Tennessee. Interesting, right? Why are we going tight? Why are we going backup tight end or grab that second tight end? Is it more of a blocking move? If it's got to be right, you would would think you would want to put some weapons around your quarterback, especially when you look at A.T. Perry and what he brings, right? Like routes, routes, Xavier Richardson, routes, A.T. Perry, routes, Trey Palmer, speed, Keishon Booty, smooth, all these Demario Douglas routes, like all these dudes have their own niche. Why go Josh Wiley unless your angle is Derrick Henry staying in Tennessee and Derrick Henry is going to be our we're going to lean on him again in 2023. I think that's what they're telling you, right? In, in not so certain, not so uncertain terms, I think they're trying to tell you we're still committed to running the ball. Does that mean it's going to be Henry? I think so at this point, probably. But you know, at the same time, it's Mike Vrabel. He's going to run the ball no matter what, even when you know analytics and other things tell you you shouldn't run the ball as often as they do. They're going to do it anyway. They're old school. They want you know big, tough, physical players everywhere, not just at lineman positions and it shows in, in who they draft and in who they retain and choose to pay right six seven 248 pound tight end out of cincinnati like i said 30 26 and a half 23 and a half years old not 26 and a half years old short short t-rex arms old 31 and a half inch arm length runs a four six nine best comparable to hayden hurst on player profiler the bears were on the clock they take noah sewell the little brother to penne from the Detroit Lions. So Penny and Noah will play each other twice a year now inside of the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers have picked 149 take a quarterback, and it's not the best quarterback on the board. It's probably not the second. 
the third, the fourth, <laughs> the fifth, <laughs> the sixth, the seventh, Gosh. or the eighth, or maybe even the ninth best quarterback on the board. They take Sean Clifford from Penn State in the fifth round over Tyson Badgett, Jaron Hall, Max Dugan, Tanner McKee, you and me. What? <laughs> what? They just what? burnt a pick. Sean Clifford. Right. What are we doing here? Guys, I watched a lot of Sean Clifford. Did you? I watched a lot I of Sean. I feel bad for you for watching Sean Clifford. I know, same. <laughs> Big Ten football, man. It's what we do. We watched watch a lot of Iowa, too. That's a different discussion. Oh, Spencer Petras? That might have been, <laughs> been a better pick here. What are they doing? Um, if you're going to draft a quarterback, why not draft someone with at least a tiny bit of upside. Uh, Tyson Badgett, maybe, because I literally said this is a guy that is the Jordan Love of the class. Well, you're not going to take him in round one, but you're going to take him and put him behind a guy for a couple of years. You put him behind Jordan Love, who is his archetype, for a year. If Jordan Love ain't him, Badgett has a year behind him to mold in. The most prolific quarterback in the history of college football is Tyson Badgett. Why are you taking Sean Clifford here? Well, the question is, who even had him on his on their draft board? Like I'm, I'm struggling to find anybody that even had Sean Clifford getting drafted. That's how out of left field this is. And it's not like we're in round six or seven where, you know, we're at the end of the end and you're just taking whoever you think, you know, might be a priority undrafted free agent for you. And you're just trying to lock them into a contract. There are still legitimate quarterback prospects available and you decide to go completely off the board. I have no idea what they were thinking. So you look at the Green Bay draft so far. They take Lucas Van Ness, 13th overall. We love that value yep. from Iowa. They get Musgrave in the second round. They take Tucker Craft in the third. Of course, we love the Jaden Reed pick in the second. Colby Wooden, a value in the fourth round on the defensive line. You can play tackle. You can play three. That can play on the edge. And then they nuke the entire draft by taking Sean Clifford here in the fifth. They do have another pick in 10 selections and a couple sixth. Why not take Badgett? Why not just add another receiver to the room? And I don't why not just add defense? Like, what? why not do anything other than what they did? Literally anything. All right, we're wasting too much time on Sean Clifford. I'm kind yeah, of sick and tired uh, yeah. of talking about this guy. Um, let's talk about the best available players across the board right now at the wide receiver position. Again, we're going to run through these same exact names because they've been sitting here for just a little bit. Trey Palmer's a guy caught some steam. He ran a four three. He played at LSU with Booty, with Jefferson, with Chase, with Terrace, with Rice, Racy McMath. He's a guy that went to Nebraska, went for over 1,000 yards with Casey Thompson, talk about bad quarterbacks in college. Parker Washington at Penn State with Sean Clifford, a guy that weighs 204 pounds, had an ankle injury through the process. He's going to be a value here. Xavier Hutchinson, a guy that struggles in man defense, but he finds areas in the zone. A lot of receivers, I think, a value here in the fifth round. We saw Stephon Diggs go off in the fifth round in years past, Darnell Mooney. I think there's some area where Demario Douglas, Dontavia Wicks, Trey Palmer, one of these guys – Two of these guys are going to be values, and they're going to be uh, relevant, I would say, in the NFL for the next five, six years. Yeah, and, and the other one that, you know, that comes up often that was mocked in day two all over the place, A.D. Perry, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you talk about all of these guys that are available, it makes picks like Wiley and picks like Clifford that just came off the board even more questionable to you when you know these teams need help at actual receiver. Um it's just strange across the board what we're seeing right now in in the uh, in the middle of the fifth round, but a lot of wide receivers available. We have a wide receiver going off the board as we speak, as we just mentioned, a couple. The Buffalo receiver eighteen off the board. The NFL draft goes to Justin Shorter, six foot three, two hundred and twenty four pounds, with almost thirty four inch arms. 
He runs a 4.55 at 23 years old from Florida. He's going up to Buffalo. He's kind of a mirror image of Gabe Davis, but he's got a little more alpha tenacity uh, in his head than Gabe Davis does. And I think he can probably put it on the field and give him a little bit of competition. He's not a great talent. Fifth round here. Any thoughts on the Florida prospect? I mean, obviously, we all watched a lot of Anthony Richardson, right? Trying to figure out what his profile looks like, what he's going to be as we watch that Florida offense. Justin Shorter is a guy that a couple of times on film you pop and you're watching somebody and you're like, oh, clearly there's something here, right? It's not, it's not, we're not talking about a day one guy or a day two guy, but he's clearly one of those guys in day three where you're like, oh, if we get him around the right, right receiver coach, give him the right quarterback and offensive coordinator that can scheme some stuff up for him. Maybe we have something here. So not a complete zero. Whiff. Not, yeah, not, not, a zero. not a complete zero, right? There's something here with Justin Shorter. It's just a matter of, you know, this kind of redundant pick in a Gabe Davis that you already have, you've already invested capital in. Maybe this is one of those things that's kind of suggesting that they may move on from Gabe uh, when it's time to offer that second contract and that, you know, they're looking to replace him already. You look at the Buffalo Bills draft. They take Kincaid in round one. They put him in a slot. Osiris Torrance put him in the offensive line. Dorian Williams is supposed to fill in for Tremaine Edmonds, even though he's four inches shorter. He does have dreads. He's not as athletic as Tremaine Edmonds. Justin Shorter here in the fifth round. They haven't had a selection in over 75 picks. Shorter's the guy. They have two more in the sixth round. If Shorter's the only receiver that they take outside of Kincaid, it seems like they believe in Khalil Shakir to a certain extent on the inside, and they have competition now for Gabe Davis. But again, it's a fifth-round pick, and it's Justin Shorter. It's not a third-round pick, and it's not Cedric Tillman. Yeah. And I think if, when you're looking at Buffalo's offense, right, I think they've got some stuff that they're trying to clean up in terms of, you know, the last time that we saw Buffalo play, that was a really ugly game that they played against Cincinnati where the offense just didn't look right at all. And we've been asking them, begging them basically to find somebody opposite of Diggs that can consistently get open against elite DBs and competition. I think they're telling you that they thought that Kincaid was a better option than any of the round one wide receivers that they could go get. They did. They probably didn't think they could get up to a Smith and Jigba. Yep. And then after that, what they're telling you basically is I think Justin shorter is your Gabe Davis replacement long-term. If they decide that Gabe isn't going to stick around, I think Kincaid is, they're clearly telling you here that Dalton Kincaid is going to be their guy in terms of, you know, the target share and um, Khalil Shakir also, right? Huge win for him. They haven't even looked in the direction of a slot receiver. So those two, I think, are the big winners. Kincaid landing spot, obviously, Josh Allen, elite quarterback, and then Khalil Shakir because they haven't brought in any kind of competition for him. Two more picks have come in. Colby Soresdale from William and Mary goes to the Detroit Lions here. He's an offensive tackle, again, like from Williams and Mary, William and Mary, where Darren Sharper and Mike Tomlin went. Shout out. Shout, Shout out. 152 overall, 151, though, I want to talk about this guy because early in the process, before the combine, I fell in love with Mike Morris. Mike Morris goes to the Seattle Seahawks here, six foot five, 275 pounds, played next to Mozzie, uh, obviously the freak athlete that's at Dallas now. He runs a 4.95, though, and immediately nukes his draft capital. He goes here in the fifth round to the Seattle Seahawks, and I, I think he's an interesting prospect. When you pull up the Seattle Seahawks, uh, depth chart on the defensive line. You got Draymond Jones, massive human. You got Daryl Taylor, good first-round pick. But you look at the other guy they brought in, Cameron Young. They, they know they need to work on the inside. They they draft Derek Hall, edge rusher from Auburn. He's not a massive dude, but he's a long, quick dude. Cameron Young, massive out of Alabama. Mike Morris, massive out of Michigan. 
SEC, Big Ten, big donkeys inside, stop the run. Is Seattle making the right moves? Is, is I know they take Charbonnet, but they also went guard, D-tackle, edge, D-tackle, corner. Witherspoon's a great pick. Like Seattle's had a quietly good draft other than the Charbonnet pick. Yeah, I think the Charbonnet pick kind of marks the rest of, of, of what we're going to think about it in terms of star potential. But they're getting really productive, valuable players at positions that matter and that they needed depth at late in the draft. I mean, Mike Morris watching Ohio State, uh, Michigan, obviously, I mean, he made our lives hell, right? Like, there's something to be said for a guy that is producing against a Paris Johnson Jr., against a Dewan Jones that we're talking about as potential, you know, day one guys in terms of Paris. And, you know, Dewan has now obviously fallen. But you're talking about guys that were really, really highly regarded as college tackles and then NFL prospects. And if he can beat them consistently the way that Michigan has against Ohio State the last two years, I think you're talking about a guy that, that has a role and can be productive despite, of course, you'd like to see him run faster than a 4.95. But, you know, it's just one data point, right? If he can win, he can win. So we'll see what, what Seattle does with him because they've notoriously gotten the best out of defensive players. So Seattle's going to be back on the clock right now as we're speaking, but Tampa Bay just had a selection. And as much as we talk about running backs and wide receivers, it's like, hey, maybe they're going to take a running back. Instead, they take Savashie Dennis. Let's kick it to the couch because I think the couch wanted to see a little Rashad White tandem maybe coming. What do you got for us, Maddie and Matt? We're over here talking about fantasy football, actually. Yep. And, uh, Alex is setting up his rankings, trying to get it figured out who's taking it. There's still this big open question. We're trying to we're trying to solve it. It's 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 quite the dilemma. It's quite the uh, the quandary. Okay, what do we do with Zach Charbonnet? What do we do with Zach Charbonnet? What do you do with Zach Charbonnet? Zach Charbonnet has an all-purpose skill set. Zach Charbonnet was incredibly productive and caught over 30 passes with the requisite size to be a bell cow back in the league very few box stuffing running backs available in this draft like zach charbonnet you could argue that the only other one was b john robinson that was at zach charbonnet's level of a prospect profile he then goes in the round you wanted him to go to day two unfortunately he goes round two day two but to seattle who drafted a running back in round two last year, but that running back was the best runner in all of college football and even better between the tackles runner than Brees Hall, someone who caught passes at a higher rate than expected as a rookie. And I don't see a path for Zach Charbonnet to overtake Kenneth Walker in real life. We believe that this pick was driven primarily by a need to fill out the depth chart, regardless of draft capital. We're talking about the Seattle Seahawks here. And uh, they got Kenneth Walker, and they got Zach Charbonnet. They just drafted Mike Morris, this massive dude in the defensive line. And now they just took the best center from the senior bowl, our boy Oluwatami, number 55. Oh, yeah, man. I did. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a unit. They hit on cross last year. They, they, uh, they built inside out. Yes, it's a terrible decision to draft Charbonnet, but this is what this offense is. They're surrounding Gino with the right tools. Right. DK, 
JSN, Charbonnet, Ken Walker. The, in, the offensive line's built inside out. Theo mentioned it yesterday. These guys are going to be Super Bowl contenders. It was an identity pick. It was a depth chart identity pick regardless of the draft slot. The question is, the quandary is, the dilemma is, where do you draft Zach Charbonnet in rookie drafts in real life? You are OTC. What are you going to do? Are you going to go Zay Flowers, who also landed in a terrible position? Are you going to go Tajay Spears, who is a year away from a, a, a full potential unlock? What are you going to do when you're on the clock, Alex Dunlap? I think you take him at the 202 or the 203 in one quarterback. What if I love Jaden Reed? So I had a dream about Jaden Reed last night. You take Jaden Reed. You, you take Jaden Reed. I think where you start thinking about Charbonnet, this is the only way I can, only way I can slice this, is around the time – I think you could take Charbonnet before you start thinking about Jonathan Mingo, Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt, that kind of player. But I think that the Zay Flowers, Jaden Reed stuff is probably out the window. Of course, the Kendra Miller, the Roshan John stuff, that's out. De- De- Devon A. Chain, that's out the window. Addison, JSN, even Anthony. I think Anthony Richardson needs to be off the board for sure. Yep. Yeah. Even one quarterback. Yep. Definitely. By the time you're even thinking about it. So, my question, what did. Is it, should should a Charbonnet decision around the area of Mar- Marvin Mims should that decision include like a like a Michael Mayer or do you think that he belongs after Charbonnet goes off? Box stuffing running back over any tight end every time because yeah, yeah. It, it's still the it's still a possibility. Running backs miss games. Most running backs miss multiple games every year. If you know you just pluck a running back off an NFL roster, he's probably going to miss multiple games. That's what you're getting from Zach Charbonnet. I don't want to give the false impression to any fantasy football enthusiast in the world that they're going to get, quote unquote, standalone value from Zach Charbonnet. You're not going to get that. He's never going to surpass Kenneth Walker. I think he's far inferior. This was an identity depth chart pick. But it is possible that Kenneth Walker misses games, especially the way he plays. Yeah. So that's what you're getting. You're going to get more from Zach Charbonnet in the one or two games he ends up starting than you're going to get from Jonathan Mingo and most of the wide receivers that are going to be available in round right. two. That's why Zach Charbonnet is the pick to kick off round two in single quarterback. Prefer Anthony Anthony Richardson. The real dilemma becomes Spears, Reed, and Charbonnet. Charbonnet has the most upside based on a the, the potential of a Kenneth Walker injury, but Reed also has great upside at, with the potential of taking over as the the number one receiving option as early as twenty twenty four. Spears could take over as the lead back in Tennessee in 2024. So they all have potential. But the the guy that has probably the most potential to be a DFS shock play in year one is actually Charbonnet in the event of a Walker injury. A $4,600 a $4, Charbonnet like this, right. that, that everybody has. Yeah, totally. I, I get that. So for that reason, but for Dynasty is cool. But we're talking about a one-week DFS like spike play for Dynasty. We're talking about a guy who, I mean, he's going to be on his basically his entire rookie contract alongside Ken Walker. Well, that's that's why it's such an interesting dilemma, right? Is that 
Charbonnet has become a premium handcuff for high stakes leagues. Mm-hmm. He's become a guy you want to roster in every seasonal format. Though in Dynasty, he's dead. He's dead in Dynasty. Yeah. There's no window. Spears has a window. Like the window opens a year from now for Spears. The window opens for Reed immediately. 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 There really yeah. is no window, realistic window, for long-term sustained mm-hmm. fantasy production for Zach Charbonnet for three years. For three years from the guy you pick in at any point in the first round, that's not a pick I'm making. I cannot pick Zach Charbonnet in a dynasty league in round one because of that. I'd actually be more likely it, this is shocking, right? Because dynasty is a is a long-term prospect, right? You think of dynasty as a long-term oh, yeah. investment. Oh, right? yeah. And the ultimate guy that, that's going to take years to pay off at this point has to be Charbonnet. So you're like, well, he's only going to have value in Dynasty. No, 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 no. It's counterintuitive. He actually has more seasonal league value for the two to three games that Kenneth Walker right. suffers the hamstring injury or the ankle injury, the high ankle sprain for Kenneth Walker. You can see that coming. Absolutely. So that's why I like Charbonnet in high stakes. I don't like him in Dynasty. And when I first started considering how I feel about these players and strategically you know, the game theory of it, that wasn't my initial assumption. My initial assumption is my reflex response was, oh, I think Zach Charbonnet is interesting for Dynasty, a guy I'm going to park in the taxi squad. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not interested. And then you think more deeply about it. It's actually the reverse. I agree. I agree with that. In Dynasty, now we're looking at, what came came to mind, we know there's been a lot of Zach Charbonnet talk in the house since the pick happened. It was such a polarizing pick. It's almost like how much we liked Tony Pollard when there was Zeke, except it's Zeke in his prime. Second year Zeke. So that's going to extend. Remember how long we waited for Pollard? Pollard's 26 now. Right. We waited so long for Pollard. And this is worse for Charbonnet because we were less into Charbonnet's profile than we were Tony Pollard. Yeah, Tony Pollard ha- is a truly right. special exactly. all-purpose exactly. back. He's both a slasher and a satellite back, mm-hmm. and he can run between the tackles. I mean, you yep. really have – if everyone comps the, the all these satellite back plus backs to Camara, the guy that actually comps to Camara is Tony Pollard. Right, yeah. and that's why we've, we've been excited for Pollard, waited forever, but Charbonnet is getting on this train – Six stops earlier than Tony Pollard. He's not the same player that Pollard is. And by the way, what Dallas is doing is full validation of the Tony Pollard skill set and Tony Pollard's capabilities to be a primary back in the league, right, Alex? Yeah, no, I mean, and and, um, yeah, I mean, got to hand it to the Podfather. (laughs) He's just he's just stuck stuck through it the whole time, man. (laughs) But um, yeah, Podfather's right again. Back to you. We got a couple of sick, sick picks that are in, and the Ravens have done it again. They took Zay Flowers early on. They come back and get Trenton Simpson, and now they take my favorite sleeper, I guess. maybe I'm not going to say favorite because he's not my favorite, but he's a sleeper here in this class from the Senior Bowl, Caillou Blue Kelly. He's a guy that's just going to mirror any wide receiver he plays against. Cornerback from Stanford. He's going to go in here. He's going to play next to Marlon Humphreys, and when Humphrey walks away, Caillou Blue's going to take over. Caillou Blue's best comparable on player profiler. You like this or what? 
This is high praise, man. This is high praise. Best comparable for Caillou Blue Kelly is Derek Stingley Jr. Baby. Which, if we get anywhere close, if you if you even get 70% of Derek Stingley out of Caillou Blue Kelly, that is a steal again for Eric DaCosta and the Ravens in round five. Is Eric DaCosta in the top 10? I no question. Is Eric DaCosta in the top five? Right on the edge. Okay. If he's not in the top five, he's knocking on the door. All right, edge of top five. We're building the list right here because we've been talking about these rankings for the last uh, 72 hours. We're going to build them on paper. And when that last pick hits at 259, you're going to have a top 10 general manager draft grade. We had, we missed two picks here, uh, the first one of which was Daryl Luter from South Alabama, cornerback going to the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners lost Emmanuel Mosley this last year. The Niners have run out just as many cornerbacks as they have run out running backs over the last three years. Daryl Luter comes in. It's a fifth-round pick. It is what it is. They got Chavarius Ward, which is uh, two years ago, which is what they needed, right? He was a top-five corner throughout the entire season. Luter, I think, comes in, competes with DeAndre Lenore. I know you like Lenore. Um, it's it's Ward. It's Lenore. It's Warmack. It's Ombre Thomas. I think he probably slits in right above Ombre Thomas uh, by the time the season rolls around. Yeah, I agree. And, again, just depth signings, right? San Francisco is one of those teams that's been ravaged by injuries but has found a way to stay consistent and stay competitive, right? And it's because they're drafting a bunch of these guys that they know are going to get banged up. Corners, probably outside of quarterback, the toughest position to play in the league, period. I mean, you're mirroring the freakiest of the freak athletes on the field in terms of receivers. And so, I mean, obviously the injury risk is relatively high when you're banging bodies trying to commit to the run. You, you, you're you trying to chase down a Stefan Diggs or a Cooper Cup or whoever it is. But um, again, death signing, you love to see it. We got a okay. Well, we'll not swing here. Daniel Scott, safety from California, goes to the Colts. Another solid, solid later on pick for Chris Ballard here. But this year's Romeo Dobbs is Dontavian Wicks and Dante Demas, right? Those are the two dudes that were labeled as the uh, the Kitty Cats, as uh, Alex Dunlap labeled them. While we were talking about the dog rating last night, the Kitty Cats of the class, Dontavian Wicks and Dante Demas. Dontavian Wicks goes off the board right here at pick one fifty nine to the Green Bay Packers, so he buries himself just where Romeo Dobbs is on the Green Bay <laughs> depth chart. Wicks is a guy who had 1,400 yards in 2021 at Virginia and then through a multitude of reasons, injury, uh, off-field situations, he did not have the best season. He goes down to the Senior Bowl, does not have a great time, looks like one of the lower-end receivers in the entire group, kind of where Yosivash was, uh, kind of below that, kind of below Nakua. He goes off here, the wide receiver 20 on the board to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm mind boggled by the picks that are coming in at wide receiver that are not A.T. Perry, that are not Xavier Hutchinson, Parker Washington, Trey Palmer. Like, I, I just I don't get it. I don't understand what we're doing here. And this isn't even in a fantasy football context. It's in a A.T. Perry is just going to be a more productive receiver than Davion Wicks ever could hope to be at the next level. I, I don't get it. You already have the kind of archetype in Romeo Dobbs. I, for a lot of the stuff that we love about Green Bay's draft, the last two picks are ugly, ugly. I thought Alex was coming to talk about the Kitty Cats, but I guess not. He's walking the opposite direction. 
Dontavian Wicks again fits in right. I think behind Romeo Dobbs, if you had to look at the pecking order, Christian Watson got his spot dialed in there. I think Jade Reed comes in and owns the slot. And I think the other side's gonna be Romeo versus Dontavian. So this just tells me that, that they don't really believe in Romeo as much as we did. Again, it's only a fifth round pick. It is what it is, um, but it is a depth piece after Sean Clifford. Yeah. And those two back to back picks are just nuking what we thought was a really good draft before that. I, I don't get either of the last two picks that Green Bay made. But, you know, I mean, hey, if they really liked him enough there to take him above the Palmers and the AT Perrys, um, I'm sure they have their process and their reasons, but it seems redundant to do that when Dobbs is already there. I see some questions in the chat. Just know that if you click that join button and you actually join the Underworld Army, we will pop your question up and we will answer it. That's why yesterday we answered a question from the Fantasy Plumber because he is a part of the Underworld Army on YouTube. If you want a question asked, send us a super sticker, send us a super chat, join the Underworld, do something that means something, click like, click subscribe, stay tapped in. Otherwise, I'm just going to ignore all your questions, but I do appreciate you. Click that like button and we'll continue on that. We do have another selection coming in from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Antonio Johnson, safety from Texas A&M. Antonio Johnson's a guy, I thought he had kind of similar to Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller had a wide range of outcomes. Is he going to go around two like Javante or is he going to fall around six like Jamar Jefferson? Antoine Harrison was that, Antoine Johnson was that guy on defense for the Texas A&M Aggies. Was he going to go round three? Was he going to go undrafted? He goes right here in the round five to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 6'2", 198. What do you think about him? Uh, uh, there's a lot to like, right? Texas A&M has been recruiting really well. Um, and obviously the results haven't shown up on the field, as Aggie fans know, and if, a little bit, a little oh, bit too much. Shout out to Theo. Um, but best comparable for us is HaHa Clinton Dix, who was – really productive for green Bay for a number of years. Right. And if you're getting a productive safety in the fifth round at this point, you know, it's absolutely great value. Just a matter of, you know, will he get on the field? Will he have a similar career draft capital is obviously very different between what haha was and what Antonio is, but you know, that's what you're hoping for when you draft a guy like this in round five. Let's look at the Los Angeles Rams because I know you're a fan of Los Angeles Rams and they just took Nick Hampton from Appalachian state. I love these Appalachian state dudes. And the Rams haven't had that many selections uh, as far as the early part of the draft goes, but they did have two-thirds of fourth, and they have not one, not two, not three, but four-fifths. And this is the first one at pick 27. They have 33, 37, and 43. They got a lot coming up here. Nick Hampton, outside linebacker, App State. Is this a good fit? Do they need outside linebacker? Yeah, I mean, the, the Rams need a lot of depth basically everywhere. So right now their consensus goal should just be best player available. That is a fit for what they want to do, right? I mean, don't need to draft 13 tackles if, if you already have one. But well, Come on, man. Well, well, Bill Belichick's drafting 18 guards. Bill Belichick also has a different roster than we do. <laughs> <laughs> this roster needs a lot of help, man. I mean, we're talking about Cup, Jefferson, Skoranek. This is, is the, the team that should have drafted a receiver. Either. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. A.T. Perry being there. I'm assuming that one of these fifth round picks is yeah. going to be a receiver. Which one will it be? Anyone's guess? Who's going to, they got to grab somebody to fill in for that Robinson, right? I don't think Van Jefferson is going to maybe fills in for that spot right there, but I need somebody with some, with some upside, a Wheaton, uh, a Yosavash. When you look at this receiving crew, there's a ton of dudes out here. I don't know if a DeMario, a Boutte or anything like that fits in here, but I think like a bigger 
a 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", maybe a C.J. Johnson from East Carolina. I don't know much about him. haven't watched his film yet, but I know Alex Dunlap has. So I'm going to trust him because he says he looks like Anquan Bolden. But maybe Oof, a guy like that, crazy. right? Yeah. Anquan Bolden, would he fit good in this Los Angeles Rams offense? Yeah, I think basically what we're looking at here, if you're a Rams fan, is the years and years of not getting blue-chip talent without the round one and round two picks has led to you needing to swing and trade down in round three, four, five to get more of these lottery tickets to take some more chances on these guys that are depth pieces, whether it's a Nick Scott, whether it's a Taylor Rapp, whether it's a Jordan Fuller, right, that turned into really good players at safety for them. They've had corners that have turned into really good players, linebackers that have turned into really good players. Michael Heck turned into a really productive edge rusher at the end of last year for them, right? They just need bodies at this point, right? And the more lottery tickets you have that are that are get basically locked in contracts that can't really be negotiated for a while, the better off they're going to be. And it's why I hated that that quarterback pick so much is you just need so much across this roster to keep yourself even competitive if you draft a rookie in 2023 or 2024. You just need so much here that it doesn't make sense to subject that poor kid, whoever it is, and in this case it happens to be Stetson Bennett, to what that roster looks like right now because it's not prepared for them to compete in that window. We got two fantasy-relevant players that just went off the board right here, the first of which is to the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts take a tight end by the name of Will Mallory. Zach Kuntz is still on the board here in the fifth round. He is not going off the board. Will Mallory fits in right behind or right next to Mo Ali Cox. I feel like Mo Ali Cox and Zach Kuntz on the same team would have been a very good duo. Kyler Grant, because more than just football, Kyler Granson, Jelani Woods, and now Will Mallory fit in Indianapolis. But the big, big selection here, again, it's fifth round, but this is an athletic running back, and this is a very important play. Well, just a few weeks. Chase Brown from the Illinois Fighting Illini is now a Cincinnati Ooh. Bengal. Wow. Chase Brown famously at the Senior Bowl got knocked out by his own brother in the hole. Fumble. Helmet fell off. Shoe fell off. Had a terrible Senior Bowl. But he does go to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. That's just how we introduce you here at Player Profiler. <laughs> if you get knocked out, you get knocked out twice. Straight for the, straight for the throat every time. Chase Brown, though, I mean, the opportunity is there, right? We like Travion Williams back in the day. Samaj P. Ryan was there. I mean, the, the, if Joe Mixon's gone, it's a lot of opportunity. It's a lot of opportunity, right? We're talking about, we talk about vacated targets all the time, vacated carries here, right? And they're going to be productive carries because Cincinnati's a really good and efficient offense. And you know they're going to throw the ball, but they, they have committed at times to running, especially when with Mixon and P. Ryan in that run in 2021. A little less so in their run last year. But if Chase Brown can kind of seize some control of that RB1 job early, you're talking about rookie draft relevant, dynasty draft relevant, DFS relevant, and more specifically, would be a really great guy in redraft to stash on your bench till the end of the year when he's really going to take over, you hope, that role for the Bengals and kind of carry you through that fantasy playoff stretch where we know rookie running backs really hold their value. I'm thinking of a, two different things right here, right? So either Mixon staying on this football team or he's gone and they bring in a Kareem Hunt because they haven't used any, but they haven't used any of these earlier draft capital on running back. It's been Chase Brown now in the fifth. Travion Williams was sixth round pick in 2019. Chris Evans was a sixth round pick in 2021. And now this is a fifth round pick in 2023. So every other year, this is their thing. Late round running back, late round running back, late round running back. 
This is not a Joe Mixon replacement, but it's a depth piece that can take on 300-plus touches like we saw him do at Illinois. Yeah, and and the thing is, right, if you keep doing what Cincinnati is doing, you're eventually going to find an Isaiah Pacheco that's going to take over for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that had round one capital in the seventh round or in the sixth or fifth round. And I think they're doing this in a really appropriate manner where it's, hey, we're not going to extend anybody. We're just going to sit there and say, okay, fifth round draft pick, two years later, sixth round draft pick, two years later, sixth round draft pick. If you keep throwing these darts on these late round running backs with good profiles, eventually one of them is going to hit and you're going to get three to four years of really productive play for not a lot of money. The Minnesota Vikings just made another selection here. It was on the offensive side of the football. It was not tight end. It was not receiver. It was not running back. But it was quarterback. This guy's 25.1 years old from the fake Pac-12 school BYU. He ran a 469, 464 at his pro day. Best comparable to Skylar Thompson. He's 25 years old. He's six foot, 207 pounds. He will never see the light of day in the Minnesota backfield. He probably won't be on the roster in 2024. But Jaron Hall had a good career at BYU for that one season. He almost left the team to play baseball. He did play baseball for one year. 25 years old. Is there a chance he does anything after Kirk Cousins leaves? Or is Kirk Cousins just going to keep extending his time in Minnesota? I think it's one of those situations where um, he needs to follow the prospect of another BYU quarterback in Taysom Hill and find something else to do, brother. I like quarterback, ain't it? I like it. I mean, he's got the, he's got the athleticism too. Four six four forty yard dash. That's athletic enough. Two hundred seven pounds. You can be a little bit of a gadget guy. Maybe put yeah. on five ten pounds. Keep that four six speed, and yeah. all of a sudden there's a little opportunity for you. Yeah, again, I'm, play multi sport. Right. The thing is, you we we try to pigeonhole these guys in terms of draft prospects, and then coaches like Sean Payton come around and they they unleash what they can be as a a threat in on various levels. You kind of hope that Minnesota takes a similar approach with Jaron Hall. Maybe he's just s- simply in there to run read option. Maybe he's simply just there to take the hits on the third and one and fourth and one that they don't want Kirk Cousins to have to take. Because like we saw it in, in Philly last year, right? If they're not going to force that shove out of the league on third and fourth and one, why wouldn't you use it? And why wouldn't you take an athlete like Jaron Hall that's capable not only of taking snaps under center, but that can run that for you, right? What what about Nick Mullins? Nick Mullins is back there. Is, is Jaron Hall going to be able to, you think, compete with Nick Mullins at all? Who knows? I, I, it's ugly back there is, is is it the question is if, if we're asking if you can compete with Nick Mullins what do we think of you as a player we don't think very much of you because again you're 25 years old and it took you uh five years to break out of BYU so I, I don't think there's very much upside to think about there uh the Chicago Bears back on the clock they take cornerback again this time Terrell Smith from Minnesota we talk about a lot of these guys that got juice got pushed into the day two conversation Terrell Smith is one of those guys he's a great athlete Chicago does the right thing again. They go corner. They take Tyreek Stevenson on day one. They come back – day, day sorry, day two. They come back, take Terrell Smith on day three in round five. Gervin Dexter, D-tackle. Zach Pickens, D-tackle. Roshan running back. Darnell Wright at right tackle. Right pick, right pick, right pick, right pick, right pick, right pick. Ryan Poles, crushing. Crushing, right? Their two biggest question marks were, were defensive backfield – or sorry, the three biggest were – who are the weapons? Who are the receivers going to be right behind DJ Moore and Claypool? If they think Claypool is going to continue to be there too. And then the other question that was asked is defensive line and defensive backfield, right? Now you've addressed the offensive line with in an emphatic way at 10 double dipped at corner. I, 
I'm having a hard time finding anybody who you can definitively say is having a significantly better draft than Ryan Poles is right now. We love the Eagles. We love the Colts, Pittsburgh, but I, I mean, Chicago's right up there. That this, I mean, we're talking about positions of need, value, freak athletes. They're checking every box in draft picks that you want, especially as we get later into day two and day three, where there are less sure things. They're, they're, betting on the right traits we're looking right now at the best comparable or the best bill the best available players right now as far as this draft goes look at the running back position eric gray Dwayne mcbride zach evans deuce vaughn the kansas city chiefs are on the clock right now we're going to kick it over to the couch so they can talk about this kansas city Chiefs selection when it does come in and recap dontavian wicks to the packers will mallory to the colts chase brown to the to the cincinnati Bengals. i want to hear what they think about some of these guys we'll send it over to the couch right now We don't care about Duntavian Wicks one bit. No. Nothing left to say. Nothing. Romeo Dobbs 2.0. Yeah. I mean, I, congratulations. You, 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 they, they, they got their, their insurance policy on Romeo Dobbs. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Chase Brown is interesting. This was the landing spot we wanted for Israel Abanacanda. Had Israel Abanacanda landed on the Bengals, I, I would love to just imagine what the conversation would be if it were a Banacanda, right? And, and the thing with the Banacanda, Banacanda didn't go to the senior bowl because he was too young, right? And he's bigger, faster, better than Chase Brown. Was not necessarily more productive, though. Chase Brown, very productive. The issue with Chase Brown is he's horrific at football. <laughs> he was horrific at the senior bowl. He's very, very bad. Chase Brown was awesome in college. It's very difficult for me to understand how this happened. I didn't, I thought maybe he was tilting. Maybe the, the, someone had sabotaged his gear. No, Matt, it was, it was like a comedy of errors. It was like, do you remember the time he dropped the pass and he fell down and I think his helmet and his shoes both fell off? Yes. They, Cody talked about that. Every time I looked up, it was Chase Brown dropping a pass. Chase Brown getting blown up in pass protection. Chase Brown falling down. Slipping. Oh, you make the good point, too, because we talked about how Roshan would be a good fit there because taking over some AJP, Ryan, the great pass, bro. One thing that we do know, you, I mean, we, we, what we can say about Chase Brown, he was the most productive running back at the Combine as far as players last year with, within the context of their own team, right, as far as his market share stuff. Enough passes he caught. He's, he's five, nine and a half. To 215 and he still I mean, he ran a real fast 443. He's a sick athlete. He's fast. He's one of the top athleticism scores. He's a scores really good looking athlete. Of any running back in this class. But That's all true. That's all true. He can't pass protect. And it's it, that's going to be an important thing no, in Cincinnati. He can't do anything. He can't do anything. At some point, at three days of practices at the Senior Bowl, you've got to be able to show you have skills. Listen. You have to show something. Have you ever in your history covering the Senior Bowl, you've now covered the Senior Bowl for a decade, Alex, because this is this is another dilemma that we have. We have great statistics and athletic measurements. And four years ago, when I was dismissing anything that was happening outside the, the, the college stats and the athleticism, I would have been super bullish. Four years ago, five years ago, Podfather would have been super bullish on Chase Brown. But yeah. Then I started to appreciate after some wrong calls, I've been – uh, humiliated on social media <laughs> by both Cooper Cup and Steve Smith. <laughs> and 
it was a lesson I learned that if a guy's going to go to the senior bowl and he's going to show out and be the clear best player there, then you need to pay attention. At least pay attention. You need to pay attention to that and not just dismiss him as a small school compiler. That's not what he was, right? That's not what he was. So I've learned it's a process and we're getting better and better and better. We ended up being right about Roshan Johnson. Thank you very much. Jaden Reed, right again. So I'm very happy with how this evolution has taken me to this place where I can look at this Chase Brown pick. And while there's a lot of neurons firing in my brain thinking, oh, think about the possibilities. Joe Mixon, by the way, if they're not going to draft a running back until mid-day three, he's coming back. That's a good point. Right, Joe Mixon's back. He's going to be a Bengal. The all, I know that the media doesn't want Joe Mixon to be a Bengal. The media doesn't want Joe Mixon to uh, win a Super Bowl. But until the Bengals are forced to release him because of some suspension or that the, the NFL has a way of doing this, like they, they will coerce the team to not let the player play most famously with Deshaun Watson. Now, that could happen. Right. But but so far, that has not yet happened. The Bengals have not acted, and they have more information than we do about Joe Mixon's situation with these charges. And the fact that they waited rounds and rounds and rounds and rounds to draft any running back to replace him, and the guy they replaced him with is more of a satellite back, is more of a slasher. We talked about Ty Johnson, right? Guys like that. That's Chase Brown. But I question whether Chase Brown's even Ty Johnson because I'm – Assuming if Ty Johnson had been at the senior bowl, he would have been able to block somebody. I'm assuming he would have been able to catch a pass. I'm assuming he would have been able to hold on to the ball. Do you realize how rare it is for guys to fumble in drills where you're not allowed to be taken to the ground? On on consecutive plays. No, no. Listen, so here's how the senior bowl works, Matt. You – Basically, it's just you get arm tackled, and if you as long as you can run through arm tackles, they're not allowed to put their full weight behind their tackling because you're not allowed to take you to the ground. So they're they're just basically grabbing at you. They're grabbing at you. They're not really, uh, you know, uh, hitting you with with, with the full bodily impact. They're not allowed. It's just not. It's called practice. That's what you you don't. Well, that's just how practice works. That you're not allowed to do that. So. It's a rare thing to see the ball on the ground. And sometimes you're, you're on your phone, you're distracted, and you hear, ball, ball, and it's like a rare thing. Oh, the ball's on the ground. Holy shit, how the hell did that happen? So the idea that it would happen for consecutive plays is wild, and yet it wouldn't happen to him in college, which is just it's such a mystery to me how you could be so productive and athletic and look completely incompetent when you're playing up a level against all future professional athletes. Hashtag better football. Yeah, and just let me just ask you, because we were just talking about it. You're on the clock. You got the gun to your head. Not right. Not really. <laughs> we, there was no enough. A nerf. We went a whole day. That was it. Just one day. It, it was just. It's more. just a clock. Rank, the clock rank these. Enough. Rank. 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 Rank these players. Okay, well, no, I, I've got. A, I've got a toaster hanging over me in the bathtub. Yeah. Okay. Got a rank. Yeah. Um, tank t- the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars version of Tank Bigsby is 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 he a band of candy who's Brees Hall's backup for the next three years and. Chase Brown, who's stepping into a lot better spot, but 
a guy that we, we clearly don't like as much as. So in this trip, I've learned about outs. The poker term, outs. You look for outs. So in this case, I'm going to take Tank Bigsby because he has more outs to get production. He's going to get some carries, an injury away. He's a, he could be a star, and we like his profile. We like what the kid can do in college and what we hope to do in the pros. I will then go Chase Brown, even though everything you said, Matt, is 100% correct. And I also yep. think an indictment on the selection is how far he's fallen, considering how athletic he is. That's the correct answer. Really, really tough there to, I, to say I, that. I, I, is, I, I think that's correct. You know, Bigsby's going to be the number two running back. Yeah, I think that's day correct. Day two capital yeah. in what is a a, a in a spot an, yeah. an ascending off. I was going to say aspiring, but they've already they, they they're not aspiring yeah. anymore. They've they fully ascended, yeah. and they're yeah. still in the process of ascending. They're aspiring for they are aspiring for a further uh ascendance aspiring to a further ascendance of <laughs> offensive uh, prolificness you sound yes. Like a chat, you, 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 yes yes you sound like yes. a chad gpt so in real the, life yeah, that was a chad gpt answer <laughs> so the answer is bigsby easily bigsby easily he's also much better at football i mean cody likes tank bisby because he's a good football player doesn't like chase brown not a good football player Brown versus Abanacanda is very interesting because we didn't get to see Abanacanda at the Senior Bowl, so it's possible that Abanacanda is just Chase Brown 1.5, that he's just as incompetent. Yeah, he's just as incompetent in all these phases and that he was just a a product of a system and athleticism, and it doesn't translate to the next level. It's very possible with these slasher types. You get fooled by them more than almost any other profile at any other position when we're when we're executing rookie drafts because here's the thing we have no choice in the third fourth round i'm going running back i'm going running back almost exclusively unless there's you know an athletic quarterback or an athletic tight end that i can talk myself into almost never going wide receiver because those are the that's the 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 surest roster clogging option almost always Uh, i've learned my lesson there so I'm going to go running back. And so you're just trying to find a narrative that you can tell yourself yeah. to how this yeah. could work out for this player. And so you're much more likely to see the glass half full on an Abanacanda where with Chase Brown, you have to sort of imagine he didn't go to the senior bowl because neither did Abanacanda and then give him the benefit of the doubt in spite of seeing all the fumbles and drops that, that maybe he had a bad week. Mm-hmm. Right? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he, this is maybe this is he can through hard work he can clean this up. Though I doubt it. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm in the third round. I'm going to be chasing the athleticism on that team, and I'm going to end up going Chase Brown. Even though I think Abanacanda is a much better player, the path for Abanacanda is blocked. Really bad. It is really blocked. Bad. Yeah. And we talked about the difference between. Uh, dynasty and seasonal leagues, and that actually Charbonnet is more interesting for seasonal leagues. Exactly. Yeah. Last time we were here on the couch. So mm-hmm. it it it's not the case with Abanacanda. No, Abanacanda is not interesting at all. No. At all, there's no scenario because even if Brees Hall is delayed in his recovery, it's going to be Michael Carter. Right. Or Bam Knight. Bam Knight is there. This is so bad. So, so bad for Abanacanda, where Mixon is going to be a Cincinnati Bengal, mm-hmm. but Mixon can also pick up a high ankle sprain. Yeah. And the, the depth chart is thinner 
It's more hollowed out in Cincinnati. They're a better team than New York. So the outs that Chase Brown has are, are significantly better than those of Abana Kanda. This Abana Kanda landing spot is so maddening. I'm tilting on it hard. You can hear how hard I'm tilting on it because even if Abana Kanda had gone to a place where he was just a, a, a straight up number two, set it in stone, he's not going to get any touches in year one. Go to the go have Abana Kanda go to the Giants. Okay, I'm happy to draft yeah. him in Dynasty. Yeah. Would would gladly take him in Dynasty. Right. Want him in Dynasty. Great pick in Dynasty. But now you're telling me that he's behind Brees Hall, who's going to be there for at least the next three years, and even in the short term, he's behind Michael Carter. Back to you guys. <laughs> now I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty league, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play, it's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer. So you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set this is a win now team. This is a rebuilding team. And then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side by side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the App Store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class every year. You're going to spend $5 on this thing and it's going to be well worth it. And we are back. The Minnesota Vikings have traded up to land quarterback Jaron Hall, who is interesting because he's not accurate, but he's an athletic specimen. And the Vikings have refused to commit to Kirk Cousins. They have been very, very against it. Last year, Kwesi Alfo Mensa would not commit to Kirk Cousins as his long-term plan. This offseason, they break off contract talk. They tried. Kirk wanted too much money. It failed. Now, I'm not saying Jaron Hall's going to be the replacement for Kirk, for Kirk Cousins, but what I am saying is this is just another tick that the Vikings really don't love Kirk, and I will not be surprised if they add another quarterback next year to replace him. Back to you guys. Got my boy Maddie Kewum here at the counter. He came over from the couch to talk about a couple of these boring ass prospects that are going off the board in the fifth round. We had the Raiders trade up to get a safety, Chris Smith. He is a bona fide dog. He wore a padlock around his chest during the NFL combine, and he said, I'm him at the combine podium. So I'm going to go with him and, and agree that he's probably him. He's going to the Raiders here at pick 170 after a trade up. BJ Thompson from Stephen F. Austin goes outside linebacker to Kansas City. We need a little bit of edge help there. And then Henry Tao-Tao from Alabama goes to the Houston Texans. The one I want to talk about, though, was Owen Pepoa from the Auburn Tigers going here at pick 168 to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals and Monty Austin Ford have had a pretty solid draft, I think, top to bottom. They trade back from three. They trade back up to six. They get Paris Johnson, who was mocked to them at three. Value, you probably could have gotten him at nine, 10, 11, but they take him at six. Very good spot. They need that protection for Kyler Murray when he does come back, take John Gaines from Florida in the fourth round, a guy that can play guard and center for you. It's just called depth and building from the inside out. 
something we've talked about throughout this broadcast. B.J. Ojolari in round two from LSU goes to the Arizona Cardinals as well. Mm -hmm. And Garrett Williams from Syracuse joins the Cardinals. Now, Owen Papoa right here joins a star-studded linebacking core uh, from an athletic and from a trace and from a talent perspective. When you look at Mijah Sanders, when you look at Kaiser Smith, Kaiser White, you look at Zayvon Collins, and you look at Cameron Thomas. I think that Owen Pepo is a guy in the fifth round, six foot two twenty-five. He's a hyper athlete. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna let Maddie talk to him talk about his player page a little bit. But Owen Pepo, from a prospect standpoint, fifth round is an insane value. This is a guy that you're gonna be able to plug in and use kind of in that star position, that joker position, safety, linebacker, edge. He can come off the edge, he can do everything. I love Owen Papoa. Talk to me about him. So I'm gonna go ahead and rip off the uh, the new head coach over there in Arizona and just say Pew, 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 shots, right? Because this is what we're doing here. We're taking shots in the fifth round. And if you're going to take a shot on a linebacker, you take a guy like Papoa. Super athlete, 4 3 9 40, hundreds percentile. He also has speed, burst, a guy that can help you out in a number of facets. And, and you, you mentioned the Cody. He's going to play on a team with a number of linebackers, uh, you know, with a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism. There's a lot that this kid can learn. And, hey, again, if we're going to take a guy with a 34th pick in the fifth round, you could do worse than a linebacker who's super fast and has the speed and the size. You know, I don't know a whole lot about this kid other than that, that he's an athlete, but he was the 11th most uh, athletic co- uh, uh, linebacker in the class. So, again, take your shots, guys. Don't take your shots. The Dallas Cowboys also take awesome Richard from North Carolina to come in and play guard. Again, the Dallas Cowboys are a team that used to spend first-round capital on the offensive line, and now they're ended up spending later-round draft capital on the offensive line to build it up. Awesome Ridgers from North Carolina is going to come in and play guard and tackle. They take Shoemaker in the second, Mozzie Smith in the first. I think you're going to have a guy plug in right next to Tyler Smith, right next to Tyler Baidias as soon as Zach Martin decides to hang up the cleats. It looks like it's going to be a year or two. Next in line, like we talked about, Christopher Smith, 170 off the board from Georgia to play safety. Dog. Not only a Georgia dog, but just a bona fide dog. At pick 171, Payne Durham, the big donkey. The big donkey from Purdue is going to go down to Tampa Bay, and he's going to play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right next to Kate Odden. Again, it's kind of a weird fit. Payne Durham is a guy that's going to excel in the run game. He's a massive, massive human, 255 pounds, and he's a red zone target. This is going to depress Kate Otten in the red zone. Don't look for Kate Otten to catch seven, eight touchdowns or be the red zone leader or be the red zone target share hog if Mike Evans were to move on or whatever you want to say. Kate yeah. is going to be a zero when it comes down to the red zone. Payne Durham's going to excel down there, and Kate is going to be your guy between the 20s. Payne Durham, pick 171 here. We have six selections left in round five. At pick 172, we have a running back going off the board to the New York football giants. Interesting. He ran a 4.64. He's slow as shit. His name is Eric Gray, and he's going to play oh, behind Saquon okay. Barkley. Hey, Eric Gray, a guy that has had some helium throughout the draft process, but has kind of sunk here as of late. But again, a good landing spot. He really has just Saquon Barkley, who is on the franchise tag. Uh, if he were to move on, could potentially see a resolution here, but I doubt it with the draft capital. But still, we're looking here in just 2023 for fantasy purposes. He was going to be a handcuff, a guy who could have some outs here if, if Saquon were to get hurt, could see some time. But not a lot of athleticism here. Not a lot to uh, to really get excited about. Only 207, so he's even not even that bulky. Best comparable player is Brandon Bolden. And uh, I'm a Patriots fan, so I have seen a lot of Bolden. <laughs> no, nothing really that great. But I do want to ask you one question. You said a Georgia player was taken and he did not go to the Philadelphia Eagles? Is that allowed in the NFL anymore? 
That's not allowed. It's actually disallowed. I think there's going to be a fine. I think McDaniels is going to get fined for this. I think the Rams are going to get fined, and I think chart the Raiders are going to get fined for yeah. taking Stetson Bennett and Christopher Smith. They have to. I you you cannot let Georgia Bulldogs not go anywhere other than Philadelphia. I thought that was the new rule in the NFL, but hey, you look at the running back. You look at the running backs in New York right now with Saquon Barkley being on a franchise tag, not having an extension yet. It's Matt Breida, it's Gary Brightwell, and it's Jay Sean Corbin. I know that there were some analysts that had Jay Sean Corbin in their top five last year. That was complete fugazi. Okay. Eric Gray, though, is a pass catching back, 207 pounds. He's over the Trey Mason Dixon line per Alex Dunlap. And Eric Gray is a pass catcher. So I think it's a guy that, again, he's not the he's not the best, but he was a Debbie guy. He came from Tennessee, goes to Oklahoma. He showed that he could do it. He had 1,300 yards in the ground last year. And I think it's a guy that it doesn't press Saquon Barkley to have to, you know, come back and, and train. But mm. I think Gray's a guy that definitely can be depended on by the New York Giants uh, if they need him in week one. Yeah, Eric Gray, like you said, he, he former Debbie guy, so there has been some hype behind, about, behind his profile. But again, 1,300 rushing yards, we like that. He does have some pass-catching abilities. But again, fifth-round pick here. We're not going to get super excited. But again, we talked about Chase Brown. We talked about Izzy Abanacanda on the couch just a few minutes ago. This is a landing spot that Matt Kelly actually brought up, the Giants. We would have much rather seen Izzy go to the Giants, where the outs are there and there's a chance for some playing time here in year one. But, you know, again, you have to temper expectations that great. But at the same time, you know, this is somebody you might be spending some fab on in 2023. We talk about a big winner. I love winners. His name's Tony Pollard. What a winner. We do. We have seen uh, true winners here with Tony Pollard and Rashad White. But let's talk about some Tony P. Mozzie Smith, D-tackle. Mm-hmm. The Marvian Overshone, linebacker. Valami Fihoko, defensive line. Mm-hmm. Awesome Richards, tackle. Yep. Shoemaker. Yep. Not a pass catching tight end. Right, right. Blocking and defense, no running backs. They have two selections left, one in the sixth, one in the seventh. I don't care about a six or seven running matter. back when I have Tony Pollard. Nope. Malik Davis is there. Tony Pollard's there. But Rojo. Don't forget about Rojo. Who? 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 Rojo. Don't you, Ronald Jones, okay. bro? Well, Fournette's still for agent, too. That's fair enough. They Fournette, could bring in. Fournette's they could bring come, in an old vet. Donkey Fournette's going to come in there and they could. Uh, say peace out to Ronald. Jones. They could bring back Zeke, but it doesn't matter. This is Tony Pollard's backfield. The Dallas Cowboys are telling us so. They had multiple opportunities to bring in, uh, you know, just an athlete, someone who could actually help at the running back position. They haven't. This is Tony P's backfield. And again, the NFL talks to us during the NFL draft. They tell us things. We've said it here on the stream today. This is the one time they can't lie to us. Their selections tell us exactly what they're thinking in-house. And, of course, they're looking at the medicals of Tony Pollard much more closely than any of us. And what they're telling us, Tony P is going to be ready in 2023. Sounded pretty good. San Francisco's on the board right now, and then it follows by the Rams, Rams, Colts, and Rams. The Rams have three selections out of the next five to finish out round five and the Rams have a couple of positions of need mm-hmm. one is notably called wide receiver they have Steve Avila in round one Byron Young edge Kobe Turner D tackle Nick Hampton outside linebacker and Stetson Bennett at the quarterback position now are they going to take Kyrus Jackson out of Georgia to pair him back up with Stetson Bennett I sure hope not I hope <laughs> that they take a bigger wide receiver on the outside maybe a Bryce Ford Wheaton or something like this what I really like to see is maybe a Yossi Vosh or a Butte go and play with the Los Angeles Rams here, but I don't have much optimism around that. The San Francisco 49ers selection is in, and it is from Georgia, so they will as well get a fine from the NFL for Jake T- taking a Georgia player and not Can't letting him go to Philadelphia. Cannot do that. Robert Beal, edge rusher, is headed to San Francisco. He's headed to the Bay, and he's just going to add to the depth that is the never-ending defensive line for the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> yeah, a resident Niners fan is excited about it. <laughs> 
No, hey, listen, the Niners make good picks here at the end. I am, are you at all surprised they didn't take their uh, traditional third round slug uh, running back prospect? No slugs for the Niners. No slugs. Uh, does that show a little bit of a uh, growth from their front office? Probably not because Mohamed Ibrahim <laughs> is still on the He's board. Mohamed Ibrahim still on the board, and I would bet you $5 yeah. he goes seventh round to the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the wide receiver position. We got the Rams, three of the next four picks, and the Colts as well inside there to end out round five. Let's talk about some of these receivers because I sure hope one of them goes out the board right here. Trey Palmer. Yep. Still on the board. Fast. Kayshawn Booty. Still on the board. Mm-hmm. Slot. Trey Palmer. Outside with speed. He's got alpha tendencies. He's an archetype guy. Not alpha tendencies. Sorry. He's got upper percentile number two qualities with the archetype being 196 pounds mm-hmm. with the speed in the four threes. I think he can be a, a, a dude. Parker Washington, 204 pounds. He's a slot guy. He's a strong built uh, I, I can't try to think of a comp. I can't remember what I have him comp for, but Parker Washington, I just love straight up out of Penn State. He had an ankle injury, so the medicals may be an issue with Parker Washington, not knowing right now. Xavier Hutchinson, a slow player. But again, Xavier Hutchinson, 167 targets at Iowa State, and he was an All-American last year. Mm-hmm. He's still on the board right now as we wait for these Rams selections to come in. A.T. Perry is the best available player, according to grades from Mel Kuyper. Demario Douglas from Liberty sits right here also. That's probably a guy that I would like to draft if I was a general manager. Mm-hmm. And then Andre Yasovich. Andre Yasovich is an interesting one because when you come into the year, it was this is this year's Christian Watson. And it was like, no, it it's is not. not. No, again, they're telling us it's not. The NFL just told us it's not. But again, if you are the Rams here, you are in the back end of the draft. You were talking about the last two rounds. You got a bunch of picks. I like what you said earlier that they need somebody with a little bit of size. Somebody can go get the ball. Somebody that can kind of fill a little bit of that Allen Robinson role. You know, someone they just gave away, traded away. Andre Yusovich, you could do worse than this. 6'3, 205. Are you ever going to see this guy's athlete? name right? Yoshivash. Doesn't do that right. Hey, it is what it is. There you go. You think that we've done enough of these together, but hey, it is what it is. It's been a long, long, long weekend. But Yoshivash was the sixth most athletic receiver in the class. Here he is, ready for the Rams to take. I mean, take a couple of shots. Take an A.T. Perry and Xavier Hushin. Take a Andre Yoshibash and somebody else. Take these guys and Demario Douglas. Start taking these shots. Can I ask you a question? You can ask me so a million. We've we got three picks left in the fifth round, mm-hmm. and there's a player that just went off the board to the Rams, and they need help on the offensive line. This guy, two years ago in the national championship, Shut down Aiden Hutchinson. That's a pretty. That's quite the accomplishment. I mean, that's a pretty. High Aiden Hutchinson accolade. was. Uh, it's just a pretty, pretty high good accolade. at football. It's pretty, pretty important accolade. Uh, to shut down the the number two overall pick in the draft. Who was a dog? Uh, well, that's debatable, but <laughs> he's number two overall pick nonetheless, right? Aiden Hutchinson, of course, was the Detroit Lion that played for the Michigan yep. Wolverines. Warren McClendon is the overlooked guy that's going to play tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. It's a good spot. It's a good land spot. It's a good take from the. Los Angeles Rams, again, taking a Georgia player. So that is three of the last five picks that have come from Georgia. Christopher Smith at 170 to the Raiders. Robert Beal, 173 to the San Francisco 49ers. And Warren McClendon, 174 to the Rams. Fines, 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 fines. A lot of fines here. But, hey, again, we got, we're talking about the end of the draft. We're talking about shots. We're taking a, 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 a tackle here from Georgia from big-time schools, played against premier pass rushers his entire career. But – Cody, let me ask you, at 306 pounds, 6'4", are you a little worried about the weight if he's going to play tackle? Can he even play tackle in the big league level? They got Rob Havenstein right now. I think he's going to ideally play a right tackle, but I think it's a good spot for him. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a good year two, year three thing. So this, we're, we're, now the Rams are in the – they're trying to just take assets that they can develop. 
I'd agree. No, okay. I, like I like the landing spot here. And they're on the board again. They're on the clock. The selections it's coming All in right picks. now. I, again, receiver, receiver. That's all I'm hoping for. Receiver right here. Uh, I don't have trust. I but they, they're, they're kind of trying to be like the knockoff Eagles, right? They take Stetson Bennett, they take Warren McClendon, they're like, hey, we're going to build the <laughs> offensive side. The Rams are going to be the offensive Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, if the Eagles have the AAA ball club, that is the Georgia Bulldogs football team. I guess the Rams have the AA club that would be from the Georgia Bulldogs football team because they're not getting the premier guys. They're not getting the Jalen Carters or the Nolan Smiths, but they are grabbing kids from big-time programs that have big-time pedigrees that have played in some big-time games against really, really good competition. Who's another player I'd like to see come off the board? Maybe not now, but a little bit later when we enter round six, Tyson Bajan. Tyson Bajan. Let's talk about Tyson Bajan. Let's talk about him. Most prolific quarterback of all time. Uh, at, where do you go to? San, Stanford? Stanford? Shepard. Shepard from West Virginia. But, he, you know, he looked good at the NFL Combine. He made some good throws, made a lot of the throws look easy. And he was throwing it in the, in the premier group. Yep. The first group. Uh, I like Tyson Badgett. You know, if there's long shots and there are longer shots and there are the longest shots, he might be in that third category. <laughs> but if you're going to take someone, you take someone who has that little, you know, a little bit of that dog in him, that killer instinct, uh, someone that, you know, sees the opportunity, had a chance to go to a big time school, declined. Do you think that kind of hurt his draft status and his overall, uh, you know, vibe about him, the, the, the outlook on him? I didn't think it would. I thought that staying at Shepard being a true teammate would actually help the NFL kind of understand him as a human. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at the prospect and the upside and his intangibles of taking it to the next level, it does make sense. But the thing is, is like, it was like, okay, he could have went to Virginia tech or Western or West Virginia or Maryland. It's like Tawalia Tagovailoa is there. Uh, JT McDan JT Daniels is at West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Like why go these places and, and deal with, quarterbacks that are fifth and sixth year seniors that you're just not going to get pushed over them. Right. You're a transfer. You're right. not going to like, yeah, you can go in and take that job, but you, everything's against you in that situation. Mm -hmm. You're not a wide receiver like Jordan Addison that can go across the country and just get zapped. You're, you're a quarterback that's going in with new weapons, with an entirely new offense. You're right. putting yourself against the eight ball instead of staying at Shepard, throwing for 17,000 yards and 160 touchdowns and just mm -hmm. doing the most with what you have. And that's I, I look at that as a positive, but it seems like the NFL has, Kind of looked at it in the opposite direction, but it's have got themselves a pass catcher. All right, let's talk about the pass catcher. Went to the Rams. He's a tight end. Oh, his name is Davis, his name's oh, Davis oh, Allen, okay. and okay. he's six foot five. He's two. He looks like he's two hundred thirty-five pounds. He's got a very slender mid body. I don't think <laughs> he's going to be doing anything for us. He's a big body guy. We needed a big body outside receiver. We got a big body inside guy. I'm not a fan of Davis Allen. He comes from Clemson. I saw him down there at that pro day. And honestly, Luke Price is not very good. He's actually probably one of the worst tight end prospects in this class. And Luke Price looked better than him at the Clemson pro day. And Luke Price ran a five two nine at tight end. Well, <laughs> Davis Allen saw that five two nine said, "Hold my beer," because he ran a four eight four. Yep. Not good. Not a whole lot uh, there. Best comparable player, Josh Hill. That probably saying himself, who? That's one of the best comps on the site right now. It not, let's let's correct that though. Best in terms of likeness, not best in terms of excitement. No, is anybody excited about Josh? Hill that's my point. That's my point. That's life? my point. So that we're Josh letting Hill's you know. Parents, but that's about it. I'm sure Josh's parents are very proud. That's probably it, though. That's probably it. Yeah, but hey, Davis Allen, they go ahead. Is, is he a good blocker? Is this going to help Cam Akers at all? Is Luke help? Price was the better blocker. Okay, so. This was just a bad pick. He's just a bad. This pick. was just not a good pick with all these receivers on the board. Um, again, six six, 
245 is big. The thing for me is that you look at where they selected him. The Colts just took Will Mallory. Who is super athletic. One thing when you're drafting in anything is knowing who's in front of you and behind you and knowing your room, right? If the team in front of you just drafted a tight end, maybe you can probably wait if you have the pick that's directly after them to take a tight end. Maybe you could take a position (laughs) that they might need. You don't think someone would trade up in the sixth round for an old school sniper? Oh, maybe the Colts need a receiver or a defensive tackle or a guard. And then you take the player that you like at that position because you know the tight end is going to be at that next pick. Yep. And we talk about it in fantasy. It's called being flexible. It's called letting the draft come to you as opposed to just freaking out and tilting. The Rams here obviously <laughs> did not necessarily look at the pick behind them. Uh, you know, but at the same time, is the intern making the pick at this point? What are they doing in the sixth round? Who cares? <laughs> Davis Mills isn't going to do anything for these guys. I, I, I don't quite, again, I don't, I don't know. We're ending round five here with Davis Allen going off the board in front of Zach Kuntz. Zach Kuntz is still on the board. Yeah. That's right. I mean, what are we doing, L.A.? Tight end, though. Like, it just doesn't I, – I don't I don't know, dude. Okay, so what is it about Mr. Zach Kuntz here that the NFL is not liking? The number one tight end athlete in the class is best comparable player is Mike Gusecki. We're in the area that you take the shots. This is supposed to be the LMFAO territory. Shots, 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 shots. And you take a dud, dud, dud. I don't get it. I don't get it. Is there anything about this kid's personality – History, why aren't they taking this kid this late? Injured. But oh. the, the question is, so we just talked okay. about being flexible and having the draft come to you, and maybe you have Cam Akers in that backfield. And if you're going to replace a Ronnie Rivers or a Kyron Williams, upgrade that backfield, if yeah. you do not trust Cam Akers, which I think they do, maybe you take a running back here. Instead, like we talked about, they had two, they had three out of four picks with the Colts in between them once. Maybe if you have an inkling that the Colts need a backup running back, you take that running back instead of a tight end. Instead, the pick is in. Next, the Colts take Evan Hole to go right next to Jonathan Taylor instead of right next to Cam Akers. They trust Cam Akers. They, they certainly trust Cam Akers. We've seen now uh, a few. Or they're idiots and they're going to take Sean Tucker right here. Sean Tucker, Zach Evans still available. Tyon Evans. <laughs> Deuce Vaughn? You know, let's go. Let's go, little doozy, doozy at the end. No, Evan Hall. We, we've we've talked about him now in fantasy circles. We've talked about him in terms of prospect circles. He's these guys, exciting. He's these a guys in the background that you guys can hear in the background, they're flexing about Kyron Williams currently being safe with the Los Angeles Rams. But what they don't understand is that they have Cam Akers like thirty-seven spots too low in their rankings right now. Cam Akers is the big winner. Don't get this twisted. Well, didn't uh, Kyron Williams ran the same forty as Davis Allen, right? Aren't they similarly speed, except one's 6'6 and one's I think, six, I think, six one's I think a Davis Allen and Kyron Williams worked out together and ran the same 40. Just to kind of show the math that's involved right here at this table, we have them at running back 19, which is 37 spots too low. That's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, 37. Yeah, 37. But see, this is where we have to pick up what we're putting down. He's not picking We speak up. a certain language here. 37 doesn't mean 37. We can, no, we can count to 37. It means 96. It, yeah. Huh? Oh, another donkey. All right. The pick is in. And the Rams still suck. <laughs> Puka Nakua goes out the board to pick 177, the last selection in round five. He's a clone build to Cooper Cup. Is this their next Cooper Cup? No. 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 He's, <laughs> he's, luckily, he is a bit bigger than Tutu Atwell. But again, with all these receivers on the board, this seems like more of a 
super low upside, but also really low floor. I don't see the point in taking the pick here in the last pick in the sixth round when there are, you know, Clutch, Hen- uh, uh, Xavier Hutchinson still available. Kayshawn Booty is still available. There are more upside picks here, but 6'2", 210, uh, slow as molasses, not really an athlete, but best career player is Stevie Johnson. Stevie Johnson had a decent Who? career. Stevie Johnson? No, don't you dare disrespect Stevie J. Who the fuck is Stevie J? Don't you that's, dare that's disrespect. That's the song. You never heard Lil Wayne? Uh, no, I don't remember that. Come dude, on, my brain man. now. Come I don't on, know, man. dude. You know what I listen to now, Cody? Do you know what I have to listen to now? We don't talk about brew. That's the shit I listen to now. Wheezy, baby. Wheezy, but Wheezy baby. is the man. Yeah, I did listen to him back in the day, but I'm, I'm old now. I don't listen to him. All right, so we have a trade to start out round six. We're going to kick it up to Jack here in about a split ski, but I just want to rewap recap what the Rams just did. They took Warren McClendon at pick 174, which is a great pick. Again, remember, he shut down Aiden Hutchinson in that championship game, and then they absolutely nuked the fire. Davis <laughs> Allen Clemson to the Rams to play tight end. Ain't going to do a damn thing. And then Puka Nakua to finish it out 177. Let's- be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.